This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. It's time to kiss your loved ones goodbye for the next three days. Tell them you love them. Tell them you appreciate their service. Because we got football. We got football Saturday. We got football Sunday. And you know what? A little extra, little extra topping there, a little extra whipped cream, a little cherry on top. I can't. We got football on Monday. Back to back to back, Tommy Namskis. Hey, after tonight when my son gets home from school, I got to have a talk with him, buddy. Saturday afternoon, go ahead and watch some of those cartoons if you want it. But uh, come around, you know, 2 o'clock or so, that is going to be the, the TV for the next seven, eight hours. The worst part about it, too, is tomorrow's supposed to be, like, beautiful weather-wise. Yeah. Like, it's supposed to be, like, 80 degrees out. I'm going to want to go to the beach so bad. That's spoken like a true non-football fan right there. No, I'm going to stay home and watch. I'll feel bad about it. I'm just <laughs> not going to go. Nope. Austin Lane uh, joined today by Justin Kuzer, obviously pushing all the right buttons in the studio, and joined by a nice special guest today, a guy that might be racing me in the 40-yard dash uh, in time to come. We shall see, but it's Action Sports Jacks, Marcel Robinson. How are we doing today, man? We're doing great. That race is 100% happening. We need to give the people what they want. <laughs> I mean, the, the social media love and the interactions are, are warranted enough for this. There are. There's people calling me out right now, people saying that I'm ducking you, people saying that I'm scared. You know what, Marcel? This is a safe environment in here. I think you'd agree with that, right? Yep, yep. We uh, we are free to be transparent and tell the truth when uh, we need to, you know, be fit. I'm be honest with you, man. A- am I scared of you? No, absolutely not. I'm not scared of you. I'm not that crazy. But I am scared of tearing a hamstring. Um, I, I'm scared of tearing it right off the bone because I have not redlined a 40-yard dash since the NFL Combine. Like, yeah, I, I did the pursuit drills back in the day with Joe Cohen a little bit. Did the pursuit drills with the Bears and everything. But let's be honest, man. When we're talking about pursuit drills and training camp, maybe 75% tops, maybe 80% if you're really feeling good about yourself. But forty yard dash, especially a race against somebody, that's that's a hundred percent. That's redlining. That's it. So I'm gonna need some time okay. to, to, to not only get myself right physically, but also mentally. Because right now I'm gonna be honest, man. Have you ever seen Rocky Three? You've seen Rocky Three before. Of course, yeah. Of course. In my opinion, it's probably the best one. And when he's getting ready to take on Clubber Lang the second time, and him and Apollo Creed are running on the beach, and all of a sudden he just stops, and Rocky's wife's like, "What's wrong with you? What's the matter with you?" And Rocky finally comes out and says. I'm scared, all right? You want me to say it? And I, dude, I'm scared. I, I don't want to tear my hamstring off the bone. Okay, I'll be honest with you. I, I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, to be completely honest with you, uh, I heard y'all were talking on the radio, you and Stewart, and yeah. when you said the over-under or pulled hamstrings was 2-5, oh, yeah. I took the over myself because I'll be completely honest with you. I will voluntarily pull my hamstring to win this race. <laughs> He's going to put it all on the line. You're going to sacrifice they, they everything. They say pride comes before the fall, and yeah. I have no problem falling. Well, so <laughs> my question to you guys is, should I come in? Uh, there's a song that talks about or that just says run, essentially. It's a techno song. I thought about introing or using it as the bed music for every single rejoin this episode. Run, it's called? Run. That's all it says. But it starts every single time with a run. I'm going to be honest with you. For a running song, not that motivating to run. Terrible. Run. Terrible. Run. Yeah. Like, Absolutely uh, not. I, I'm supposed to want to go for a run right now. 
No. It's a, it's a, well, I told you to do it. Right. That song yeah. sounds like you should be running from someone or something that can't that, be explained. Yeah, exactly. That, that song sounds like you should be at like Miami with some glow sticks and uh, and a little nook in your mouth and uh, going all wild and crazy off some narcotics. Run. But that's uh, neither here nor there. But uh, speaking of running, I will not be doing a lot of running. I, I will be training. Obviously, hopefully, I got an MMA fight coming up. But I will not be training for the 40-yard dash because we have a full slate of games this weekend. Which one are you keen on the most to watch this weekend? Are, are you going to be around to watch them? First of all, I should probably ask. Uh, yes. Okay. Will, yes, the forecast for this uh, Saturday <laughs> and Sunday will will be sunny with a 100% chance of couch potato football. <laughs> I love it. Um, I'll be here for most of the weekend. But, I mean, I think the one that intrigues me the most that I'm really looking forward to, honestly, is probably the uh, the the Titans and Ravens one. Sure. For me, honestly, yeah. I think that, you know, um, I think that one probably just because of the way the Titans and the Ravens have kind of been playing, like they're both sort of, you know, physical at the points of attack and everything. Mm-hmm. I think that one could, I think that one could get a little dirty, get and, a little ugly. And let me ask you this, and, and Stuart and I kind of broke this down a little bit yesterday, but do you kind of see the Tennessee Titans as kind of a diet Baltimore Ravens? And in the matter of fact that yes, they both can run the ball. Obviously, I think Baltimore does it better, even though I think you know Derrick Henry's probably well, he was the rushing leader this year, so yep. you can argue he's the best running back in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. But I think from the scheme standpoint, I think from the play calling, the confusion in the backfield, I think Baltimore is actually the better running team. And then obviously you're talking about two teams that play fantastic defense, and I would almost probably lean right now with Baltimore a little more playing better defense just because their offense is so dynamic, right? Their offense puts up a lot of points, and when you do that, the defense has the luxury to put pin their ears back and just fly. So I think when I analyze this game, Marcel, I just see a Tennessee Titans team that's like the little brother of the Baltimore Ravens. And maybe maybe that's wrong to say, but that's just what I'm thinking right now. I mean, I think that's fair. I think one one of the big contributing factors for me in this game is going to be uh, obviously the running game, but the fact that, you know, they're going to run Derrick Henry to the wheels fall off. I mean, they're going to run <laughs> Derrick Henry like they used to run him in high school. He's getting the ball. I would say if he doesn't get the ball eight out of every ten plays, something's yeah. wrong. And, yeah. and obviously something like that with someone like that, you know, being a big physical guy like that, how does – this kind of, you know, how does Baltimore keep up their defensive, you know, aggressive and everything like that throughout the whole game? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, as, as you know, you got a guy like that wearing on you play after play after play. I said, man, I'm tired of this guy. Like, like <laughs> somebody get him out of here. Man. I'm tired of him hitting me, you know? For sure. Um, and so I think that's going to be the biggest contributing factor for, for Tennessee. And obviously, look, hey, I mean, Ryan Tannehill, he, he's playing well enough for them to win. Um, it's not like they don't have any weapons other than uh, Derrick Henry. I mean, their mm-hmm. passing game has, has been pretty fluent, but I just think for me, I, I just think that Baltimore's got too much. I think that, you know, if, if Baltimore can score, I don't think they'll score at will, but they're usually a faster paced type of offense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think with them, if they do end up scoring like that, I think that's also going to wear on their defense a little bit because obviously they'll be on the field more. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you what I'm, I'm kind of sick of hearing already, um, you know, from all the talking heads. It's the fact that, yes, you, you can make an argument that Jackson's going to win the MVP, which I think he should. All right. And he's the most probably dynamic NFL player in the league right now at the quarterback position. But people want to come out and say, well, what did he do last year in the playoffs, right? Like, people can kind of come out and say, well, he didn't, you know, he, he may have choked a little bit in the playoffs, right? Like, he, he kind of regressed a little bit in the playoffs last year. Let's be honest, though. Last year, the Baltimore Ravens were not running 
Roman's offense. Right. Okay, this is a new, improved Baltimore Ravens offense, a very dynamic offense. And and listen, and I said it yesterday. Like the last thing you want to be called is a system quarterback. All right. right. The, the the last thing you want to be called is a game manager. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to call Lamar Jackson a system quarterback by any means because the guy is far from that. But let's be honest. He fits the system very nicely of what they're running right now. Yeah. You know, like he, he stays within the confines of what they ask him to do. Either you hand the ball off, you read it, or you keep the ball yourself and you run. And then every once in a while, you take the shot downfield, you take the shot in the middle. So I, I would never call Lamar Jackson, once again, a system quarterback, because I think that's one of the most offensive terms that you can call a quarterback. 100%. But he is completely benefiting. He is completely thriving in this system that Roman has built for him, just like Colin Kaepernick for a little bit thrived in San Francisco. Yeah, I think you just said it. I think in this instance, it's not necessarily okay, but it's a different connotation when you say he's a system quarterback because the system was built for him. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one thing that obviously every every coach or person will tell you about good coaches is they don't they don't find someone. Uh, to run their system, they build their system around the, the personnel that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've done a great job with that. You know, utilizing his skills and not asking him to do too much. Which I, for Lamar Jackson, I mean, what's to ask too much of him? Like you said, um, dude's going to be the MVP if he's not. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's, you know, that's one of the things that he, the coaching staff for the Baltimore Ravens, and also all the other his teammates, obviously, that everyone's bought into. You know, we're not going to create something and have you guys. You know, play to our what we would. We're not gonna have you change your strengths mm-hmm. to play our system. We're gonna take your strengths and design the system around that because obviously that's the best way to be successful. And I think they're doing a great job of that. And to be completely honest with you, I don't see any reason why that success won't continue. Without a doubt, you know. And then that's something that I preach all the time. And it's a great point that you made. I mean, you look at what you got with Jackson, and this guy is a, d- a dynamic threat. Obviously, can run um, till the wheels fall off. So you got a guy in Greg Roman, and this kind of falls on Harbaugh a little bit too. I mean, we have to give Harbaugh a lot of credit here. You know, former special teams guy was brought in to change the culture. Definitely kind of that old school mentality. And he's always been the type of guy that wants to pound the rock and play good defense, right? The, that's been the Baltimore Ravens MO for how long now? Yeah, they had Joe Flacco. He was Super Bowl MVP, but let's be honest, they got there from running the ball and playing good defense. And all of a sudden, even Harbaugh goes to himself. He's like, you know what? We have something special here in Jackson. I think we got to do something else with this, you know? And, and he kind of scours across the league a little bit, asks around, enter Roman, he comes in, and, you know, it's paying dividends now. And I, I, I want, and you've heard before too, it's like, oh, well, we knew L- Lamar Jackson was going to be legit even out of college, right? That's what the Ravens. Well, okay, you kind of got lucky because you actually drafted a tight end before Lamar Jackson. So how much did you really know John Harbaugh and the Baltimore Ravens staff? Regardless, though, he's on your team right now, and you're using him to the the best of his abilities. So props for that. But you can't come out and say, oh, we knew he was going to be special right off the bat. Yeah, You know, it's funny. I've never actually been one to really like that kind of comment because, I mean, every NFL player that's there, you know, their college coaches, even their high school coaches say, oh, yeah, we – we knew he was going to be this guy coming out. Well, how many of those guys have you said about that who haven't exactly made it? Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I think with the Ravens, I think that I can see why they went the route they did. Uh, you know, drafting Hayden Hurst uh, before Lamar, obviously in that first round, because um, at that point they were still you know committed to Joe Flacco. They thought he still had some in the tank. Yeah. Um, but at that time when they when they're kind of making the phone calls and they and they give Philly a call and, and say you know can we get that thirty second pick or whatever like that. I think at that point it's kind of one of those where you're kind of in a mode you're, you're saying to yourself, you know, 
what does it hurt? Like, mm-hmm. why not? We don't like we don't think that we have enough pieces in place where we can make a gamble like that. I think they were in that sort of kind of on the fringe uh, position where they can do that. Obviously, there are other teams like, you know, for example, Jacksonville Jaguars can't Correct. make any gambles in the draft. They have, they have a list of we have to get this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. And maybe the Ravens didn't have, you know, that long of a list. It's kind of my thinking of it. And it's one of those where it's like, hey, we bring him in, you know, if he – doesn't pan out to be, you know, a guy who we can use him, you know, two quarterback system, like kind of similar to what they do with Taysom Hill sure. uh, in New Orleans. And, yeah. and if he does work out, well, then I'm a genius. Well, and then they're saying Taysom Hill now might be the starting quarterback after Breeze is done, right? They're saying he, he could be the, the predecessor to Drew Breeze going forward. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, w- uh, I mean, that's <laughs> everybody. You know what they say? The backup quarterback is the most uh, every fan's favorite player. Yeah. So, Well, and then speaking about, you know, Jackson real quick, too. So Lamar Jackson in college, is, uh, his last year there, Credit to Bobby Petrino as well, because if you remember what Bobby Petrino did, yes, Lamar Jackson was a dual threat guy, but he made he made Lamar Jackson going to that pro style offense, right? Yep. He, he made Lamar Jackson get used to going under center a little bit, so he was ready for the NFL. And I think not enough credit should be given uh, to Bobby Petrino. You actually brought up a great point, Marcel. And then the, the break, uh, the next segment after the break here, the, the Jaguars draft. I did a little homework this morning. And I was going to pinpoint, if you could say one thing about the Jacksonville Jaguars of why they haven't had a lot of success lately, why is it? And obviously the draft comes to mind, but more specifically, a certain thing I'm going to get into next here on the show, ESPN 690. I will say it because I've felt this way as a fan my entire life. I've felt this way as a coach. But I, I really believe there's only one team happy at the end of the year. Um, you can be positive and stuff, and but that gets you ex- excited. But I mean, no matter what happens, I mean, there's only going to be one team that's truly happy at the end of this year. And we've gotten to a point that we're excited about um, where we got, you know, especially compared to these last two years. But um, we have one expectation now, um, so we're not going to sit back and enjoy what we've done because now it's it's, a, it's about what you're doing right now and where you're going. 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan making his playoff debut as a head coach. Uh, Going to play this Saturday um, against the Minnesota Vikings. Interesting points. You know, I mean, this is this is a big moment for him. And it's like we heard so many times as, as players, you know, in the league or even in college, you always, you're always told you're only as good as your last game. You know, and, and people only remember you for your last game. Right. And it's amazing how even the Patriots, right? Like the Patriots won the Super Bowl last year. And now they're out. And everyone's talking about, oh, Tom Brady this. Patriots are finally done. Well, that may be the case. We don't know yet. But we can't even really appreciate what they did last year yet because everyone's on to the next one, right? Everyone's on the 49ers. Everyone's on to the Ravens now. The Patriots are by far an afterthought in just a a span of 10 to 12 months, you know? So I think I agree with Shanahan here. He's absolutely right. Um, I think making it to the big dance, you know, making it to the Super Bowl, sure, that's that can be admirable, and I'm sure players get bonuses, the coaches get bonuses, but let's be honest, if you don't win it, no one's going to care about you. No, I 100% agree. I mean, I think uh, it's not necessarily a cliche, but I think when all coaches say that, you know, we're on to, you know, the next game as soon as this game is over, I think that's, you know, true. And you kind of have to be. That's what the NFL has turned into. It's just this ongoing machine to where you can't, unfortunately, you can't really, you know, revel in your successes um, because it could be gone, you know, just like that. I mean, I mean, look at here. How, how much reveling did we do after the 2017 season? We're like, and you know, oh, you know, we we can build <laughs> we can build on this, and, yeah. and then we're we're not necessarily building anymore, but we're rebuilding it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I think he has a point. I think with that mindset, that, that's a winner's mentality. You know, if if you're a winner, 
when you win, what's what's the only thing that can satisfy that feeling or give you that feeling again is to win again. Yeah. Um, and the last thing you want to do if you win is to lose. I mean, look at the Patriots. I mean, how losing, winning the Super Bowl and then losing in the opening round of the playoffs might be just as bad as winning the Super Bowl and then not making the playoffs. Because mm-hmm. even if you don't make the playoffs, usually there's some sort of reason as to why. But they they made it. They were right there. They're in the second season. And you know, and losing. I mean, you saw Julian Edelman when he walked off slamming his helmet. Of course. I mean, that's that's a winner's mentality. It still stings, man. Every single time. Doesn't get any easier to lose the ball game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you're absolutely right. Where, and you know, I think I was on some of those teams, Marcel. Where. And by the way, joined by Action Sports Jacks, Marcel Robinson today. Brent Martino's on vacation in good old Asheville, North Carolina. Hope he's having a good time. But you absolutely said it right. You know, it's almost like, and I don't want to throw around the term curses, right? But I was on some Jaguars teams that didn't do so hot. I was on a Bears team that definitely didn't do so hot. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you keep losing and losing and losing. And you almost, I don't want to say you get conditioned to it because that's not the right term, but you almost kind of expect it. You're like, oh, here we go again, right? Like, it's no matter how hard we work, it's no matter how much time we put in the film room, how much time you put in the, in the weight room, here we go again, you know? And then that's a habit that needs to be broken. And when you talk about a winner's mentality and a loser's mentality, well, the past decade here in Jacksonville, there's been a lot of losing mentality just from the standpoint of the team hasn't won games. So, of course, there's a losing mentality. And... When you break down the Jaguars the past decade or so, and you kind of point fingers of, okay, obviously the coaching wasn't up to par. Maybe some of the talent wasn't up to par. I mean, th- there's no just one thing that you can point to me like, this is why they're not doing well. But I kind of did a little bit of research this morning. I think you did some as well. And if I was going to sum it up, if I was going to just put it under one umbrella of why have the Jacksonville Jaguars not been doing so well? And if you want to compare that, what I'm about to say, to other teams in the NFL, especially those playoff teams, especially those Super Bowl contending teams, they all have one thing in common. Obviously, you have to draft right. You know, it starts in the draft. But more importantly, not only do you have to draft right, but you have to maintain the talent and re-sign that talent once you draft it. I went back to 2013 to right now. And, and I looked at the Jaguars uh, rounds one, two, and three, okay? Because I, I think you'd agree with me here. Usually when you dra- draft in the top three rounds, those are the guys that should come in and have an immediate impact. You know, now, yes. so, so sometimes they're luxury picks where you kind of dra- draft for depth a little bit or you draft for the future. Maybe it's like a raw talent individual or maybe that individual is hurt. But generally speaking, rounds one through three, those guys and makes those guys can come in right away and make some kind of contribution, whether it's starting on offense starting on the defense or special teams, but they're making some kind of contribution. Well, let's go back real quick and check out these draft picks. 2013, Luke Jokel, second overall in the draft. Obviously, everybody knows that one, right? It, it wasn't a good look. It wasn't a great draft, to be fair. Well, one could argue that Lane Johnson went a couple more picks after that, and now he's paid like he's one of the highest-paid right tackles in all of football. Okay, Luke Jokel's no longer on the team. Jonathan Cyprian, taking the second round that year. Yep. Gone. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Gratz, taken uh, in the third round that year, mm-hmm. gone. Okay, so rounds one through three, 2013. Your first, this was Dave Caldwell's first year, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, everybody's gone from the from rounds one through three. All right, 2014. Ready for this one? We got Blake Bortles taken third. Shout out to the boat. He's no longer in Jacksonville. Released, and you and you had to pay his dead money, by the way, too. Second round, Marquise Lee. More than likely, he's probably going to be gone. You know, and, and, and to be fair, I, I'm not going to call Marquise Lee a bust because 
I don't do that with, with players who get hurt. Okay, and then one can say, oh, Austin, you're going to homer up here and you're going to be the player side. I'm just saying sometimes injuries are out of people's controls. All right? So, so sometimes maybe a guy is more susceptible to injuries, but sometimes just freak accidents happen, man. I was a part of a couple. I know a lot of guys that have been a part of a couple freak accident injuries. So I'm not going to knock a guy uh, who's been hurt a couple times who's not going to be re-signed here. But once again, it, uh, second-round pick didn't really pay off well for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Second round as well, Allen Robinson. That one stinks. Well, where's he at? He's gone. Yeah, gone. Right here. Yeah. Well, once again, and he left in free agency, went to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, that third rounder from 2014, Brandon Linder. The, this is the first guy that actually can has still been contributing. Um, you know, he's one of the highest paid centers right now in the NFL. Not the best year for him this year, though. Not the best year for him this year. One would think you probably have to go with him going forward, though. Obviously, with with, with the, the contract negotiations, things like that. I think you got to oh, stay yeah, with you, him. You, so. you can't sacrifice yeah. money anywhere. Yep. All right. Ready for 2015? Dante Fowler, third overall pick. Yeah. Gone. Now, granted, he was traded away. Yeah. But he's still gone. Okay, now this is a guy comes in rookie year, gets hurt in the spring. Okay, once again, injury. I'm not going to fault him too much for that. One could say that he kind of had a mediocre run in Jacksonville a little bit, right? He was kind of like that depth kind of guy because I think he, Yannick Ngakwe kind of ate from some of his reps, respectively, when they were both on the field together. But let's be honest, Dante Fowler, 11 and a half sacks this year. That's pretty good. And you can say, well, you had Aaron Donald. That's cool. Jaguars have Clayus Campbell. Not saying Clayus Campbell is Aaron Donald, but I'm just saying from the standpoint of having a good three technique, it helps. And Fowler had 11 and a half sacks last year or this past season. Yeah. And, well, and I think, honestly, it, I think that, and you guys, I believe, discussed this not long ago. I think that the sack number is is oftentimes, you know, maybe carries a little bit too much weight. Mm-hmm. Um, because because just because a guy doesn't have, he may not have the sacks, but you can easily look at the tape from when Dante Fowler was here. Dude was was disruptive, mm-hmm. impact player, you know, um, I mean, if you could give an assist for sacks, I mean, he would have plenty. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not just him, him, Jan, uh, Josh Allen, all of them. Sure. You know, I think that when, that's a mistake that a lot of people make is they look at the numbers and they say, okay, he has 11 and a half sacks out in, you know, L.A. Correct. You know, but he wouldn't have had 11 and a half sacks here in Jacksonville, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But if he's disruptive enough and the defense is making plays on the back end, then, you know, if he's, if him, Rushing the passer makes the quarterback throw the ball a half second sooner, at least to a pick. Then he deserves credit for that. And, I, and it's obviously it's one thing you, it's hard to track. You know, you, you don't have a stat for it mm-hmm. um, other than just seeing it with the naked eye. Yep. Well, and, and to be fair, so with that, so they trade him away yep. to the Rams. Mm-hmm. They get a third and a fifth round pick for that. Mm-hmm. That third round pick became Quincy Williams. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now that fifth round pick, um, it's coming this year, 2020. Okay. Well, they spent a fifth-round pick on Joshua Dobbs, so one could say that kind of cancels it out a little bit. But what I'm focusing on is Quincy Williams, the third-round pick. Yes, granted, Quincy was a rookie this past season. I think people would say that he probably underachieved a little bit. I, I could say that he got thrown in the fire way too soon. 100%. Right? Telvin Smith was expected to be that weak side linebacker. Telvin Smith opts to sit out this season and maybe will never play football again. And Quincy Williams is then indeed thrusted into the starting role, even though you know he's, he's a rookie out of Murray State. And you, you know the, the the guy does play fast. He plays physical. He plays relentless. But he, there were some problems in coverage. Obviously, there was there were some problems uh, of you know the gap assignment. And who's to say? I mean, maybe next year it's going to click for him. He's going to be a fantastic player. But I'm just saying right now, with what you got for Dante Fowler, it's just Quincy Williams. Mm-hmm. Yep. So then out of that same draft, second round, TJ Yeldon. 
Yep. Gone. You know, and, and and to me, T.J. Yeldon was always that third round. I'm sorry, that third down back. Oh yeah, and he's, he's a passing back. Exactly. Yes. And then when Leonard Fournette got hurt and he was thrust once again into that starting role, kind of being that bell cow, it just didn't work out well for him, right? And he kind of overstayed his welcome here in Jacksonville. You're reminded of that Houston game when he's sitting on the sidelines. I think Tom Coughlin called him out. Nevertheless, second round pick T.J. Yeldon, 2015, gone. And then uh, the third round guy, A.J. Cam. Which is a nice little pickup. He is, you know, he was rotating with Richardson Jr. a lot at the guard spot. I think AJ Cam's gonna be the guy going forward now. So you have that from the third round. But w- once again, you go back to the draft with Marcel. You got Dante Fowler gone. T.J. Yeldon gone. 2016, first round. Obviously Jalen Ramsey. He's gone. You traded him for two first round picks and a fifth round pick. We'll see. Because, you know, the, 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 the proof is still in the pudding with that one. You have to draft right. You have to replace him. And we'll see how the Jaguars handle that. Second round pick, Miles Jack. Sign him to a new deal. Um, third highest paid middle linebacker right now in the NFL. Obviously, that'll change one in the next season. But he's, he's a high paid guy. And then the third round pick, Yannick Ngakwe. And I, I have a giant question mark next to him right now. As you should. I mean, coming, yeah. out, coming out of that draft, that's probably... Um, clearly the most successful mm-hmm. out of all the drafts that that you listed, but it's, it's like you said. I mean, it's 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 the trend yes. of of the. It seems that lately, not, well, not even really lately, it seems like the Jags have had an, a tendency to. I don't really want to call it bad luck because you know when it comes to you know obviously the people put in place to make these decisions, you they're supposed to make the do the research and make these decisions. But mm-hmm. it, I won't necessarily say that it seems like they're keeping the wrong guys, but they're for sure finding ways to not keep the right guys. I like um, that. Um, like obviously, you know, the Jalen thing. I mean, that 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 kind of situation kind of has a bit of an asterisk next to it because that one that one kind of came to a head, and you saw where that one was going. Sure. But at the same time, like some of these guys, I and the one thing I've always wondered, and it sort of observed that it seems like they tend to acknowledge the mistake of drafting a guy when it's too late. Like, mm. like they kind of hold on to him a little too late. Like everyone knew that, you know, Luke Jokel was not necessarily a bust, but he wasn't a first round left tackle yeah. long before he was out of here. Mm-hmm. Everyone knew that Dwayne Grossett cornerback wasn't, you know, cutting out to be, you know, the nickel guy or he wasn't going to step in and be a starter guy before he was out of here. Obviously, that's it's difficult to kind of just let a guy go because when you let a guy go, you got to have somebody come in and take his place. Well, and keep in mind when you let a guy go and you're the GM and he's a top three round pick, that that makes you look bad then. It does. Right? It does, but I think it makes you look worse trying to find pieces or t- around him to hide that deficiency. It's a good point. Like if you like if you know your left tackle is bad, mm-hmm. don't go out and get you know or try to find a serviceable tight end who's a. a a, a blocking tight end sure. to kind of help on that strong side, and then get a uh, you know a pass pro yeah. uh, running back like T.J. Yeldon to help him pass pro to kind of disguise that efficiency while yeah. you try to find you know the answer there. because now you're turning around your whole offensive scheme and and you're trying to take away from what you do well as a football team. And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. You know, yeah. when you find your system, you have to build the system around the guys that you have. But if you're constantly shuffling guys in and out, in and out that are different, yeah, you know, then you can't really. You know, there's no consistency. I mean, obviously, that's the biggest problem that's been with the Jaguars over you know the past decade is consistency. Mm-hmm. Uh, the A. Rob deal, um, him leaving, I, to this day, I still think that could have been salvaged. But you know, what's done is done. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I don't, I don't fault them too much with the Blake decision because um, if Blake would have had a, a decent to good year the next year, then the Jaguars would look like a genius. 
Sure. You know, but the fact, you know, I mean, he came had the best was best rated quarterback in December the year before they, when they went to the playoffs. Yeah. And he played pretty serviceable in, in the playoffs. Um, they won because of him, not despite of him, which is one one thing that I think was a lot of things that when during his time here, um, you take away. He makes two better throws versus the Patriots are playing in the Super Bowl. Um, so then so I don't necessarily have a big deal with that. Now, the the one problem it's not really even really a problem but my concern was when they paid miles without having to mm-hmm. at that moment obviously they paid lender before uh, and made him the highest paid center at one point and yet they're letting other guys walk or find their ways out of town and i think for me like i look at that and not necessarily just from from a money standpoint but it gives it sends a bad vibe to the guys in the locker room i'm sure you could probably speak to this more without a doubt but it's kind of like you got guys out here like are that are getting paid that are serviceable as opposed to coming out here, you know, making difference, making game changing plays. Sure. Um, which is one thing I think just from the brief interactions I've had with Jan over, you know, the years, uh, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that sticks with him. And I think that I don't think it's a matter of like, if he decides to leave, it's not going to be a matter of the money in the end. Like mm-hmm. when he says, like when we've talked to him after the last game, he said, I've been here for four years and I've learned a lot about this organization. I think that's the kind of stuff that he's talking about. Like you got you got a guy that you're bringing in, you know, I don't know how many titans we brought. We were Swaim and and it was bringing bringing guys, bringing guys, bringing back yeah. the whole filler guys. Um, but you but you're not taking care of the guys who who are your cornerstones. Well, and, and that's the problem right there, Marcel. It's because you're talking about Miles Jack, who right now is a top three paid middle linebacker in the NFL. Right. And I think anytime you're a top three paid player in any position, I don't care if you're the punter, the field goal kicker, uh, a center, uh, it doesn't really matter. You have to make those game changing plays. You know why? Because you're getting paid like that. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. And we've had this conversation before. I can't really think of a game changing play that happened with Miles Jack this season. Yeah. I guess with there's the, one the forward yeah, pitch. The forward pitch. Mm-hmm. There's that one. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. My point is I can't think of a lot of them, right? Like, if you look at, like, Luke Keekley, right, mm-hmm. one of the highest paid, every mm-hmm. single game it seems like Luke Keekley is doing something. It, it seems like this dude's getting interceptions, he's getting fumble recoveries, whatever he's doing, he's making those game-changing plays. I can think of a lot more game-changing plays that occurred this year from Yannick Ngakwe than I can from Miles Jack. Oh, 100%. And, and I can think of that probably the past couple of years, to tell you the truth. Seeming, you know? Seemingly every game this season, Jan has made a play. It, An impact play. Whether, well, whether it's ship sacks or touchdowns, whether it's intercepts. Yeah, he, he's been around plays and made those plays. Well, once again, he's not being compensated like them. But you, uh, I want you to save Jan for a second here. We'll get back to him, what you have to do to try to get him to stick around. 2017 draft, first round Leonard Fournette. What, mm-hmm. do, you, what do you foresee happens with that? Because this is another big question now. I think I think the this see that was tough for me because I think the the overall book is still yet to be figured out mm. um, because of the way he bounced back this year. You know, in the face of all the adversity. I mean, let's be honest; these teams were were have been stocking eight in the box against him for the last two seasons. Last season obviously wasn't great. You know, with the injuries and just you know the off field stuff and the on field performance was was pretty bad. But this year, I think I think he's handled it. Honestly, I think his level of maturity is, is a thousand percent higher than it was last year. And I think that's the kind of stuff you do have to take into consideration. But I also think that his performance on the field, I think he's really stepped up in terms of being a leader on the offense, um, you know, in the huddle and also on the field. Um, now, that being said, 
you know, the old old age, you know, saying is you can't, you don't give running backs, you know, max of money. Of course. Um, I don't know if I, I mean, long term deal f- for him. I think you, I think you still got to wait. Well, I mean, obviously you think they signed the fifth year deal, though, right? Oh, hun- yeah, 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 yeah. That I think honestly that's a no brainer. I mean, sure. I mean that fifth year option is there for basically what I just you know mentions. Like I, we don't know just yet. Mm-hmm. Let's see if this. Let's see if last Let's year was ride this out a little bit. Right. Yeah, Let's see yeah. if last year was the norm or was last year just last year. Mm-hmm. If he can pick up on that, then we'll talk. And, and I think it was very telling. Like we talked about where he was able to stay healthy the entire season. Now he didn't mm-hmm. play in the last game of the season. Um, you know, and I'm not sure how much of that was just shutting him down for the future. And how much of that was just, you know, he was sick and not feeling so well. Regardless, you know, played in 15 games, which is really telling. And listen, I've I've been so adamant about the point that I'm trying to drive home here with that offense and what they bring to the table. And I think if you look at the landscape now of the NFL, I understand the the the, the prototypical bell cow, a guy that can get, you know, the first, second, and third down reps. Yeah, it's very intriguing, you know, and, and in my opinion, they're kind of a dying breed because it's all about conserving people. It's all about getting guys healthy for the playoffs. You know, look at the look at the Rams this year. Now, they didn't get to the playoffs, but obviously there was a pitch count on Todd Gurley because he was a little right. bit injury prone. I think Ezekiel Elliott still gets the, the rock uh, 24-7. Um, obviously, Saquon Barkley, when he's healthy, he was hurt this year, too, a little bit. You know, he's obviously the, that bell cow back as well. But the way the NFL is going now, where it, everything's so just up-tempo, um, everything's passed first. I would want to see the Jaguars get a third down back. And, and this is not a knock on Leonard Fournette by any means. I, I think Leonard Fournette had a fantastic season, and I'm intrigued what he can do going forward. I'm just saying from the preservation of Leonard Fournette. I'm just saying of changing the, the, the tempo a little bit, right? I'm just saying from having maybe that thunder and lightning kind of backfield, you know, like that Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram type of backfield back last year for the New Orleans Saints. I think only having a third down back is only going to help the situation. Now, is Robert Reckhall Armstead that kind of guy? We haven't seen him enough. And, it, and that kind of shows that the Jaguars may not trust him that much. If he didn't get a lot of reps this his rookie year, we'll see. But I would love to get you know at least a third down back to try to compliment him a little bit. Real quick, too, before we head out here. So, 2018, Taven Bryan, uh, DJ Chark, Ronnie Harrison taking a third round. 2019, Josh Allen, second round, Juwan Taylor, third round, Josh Oliver, and Quincy Williams. All, all yet to be determined. Yeah, all yet to be determined. But uh, so when we come back after the break here, I'm going to give you my kind of my final synopsis of what the, all this information means to us, how the Jaguars can use this going forward, and why they've been successful, um, you know, in the past decade or so. More on ESPN 690 when we get back. The people say it's a passing league. I get that, but you know that graphic on Sunday afternoon should not have been lost on everybody. Top four passing teams were not in the playoffs. The top four rushing teams were in the playoffs, and I think don't quote me, but most of the teams were in the top, I think, 12 in terms of rushing. It's a physical, violent game, and if you don't build your team to do that, late in the year when the weather's lousy, it's mush out there. The tough, the tougher that team is going to win. Oh, perfect. I got issues with this. Couldn't have put it any number. Marcel, let me have my moment here because I've been preaching this daily on ESPN 690 for 
Well, about a year now on the show. You got to stop the run. You still got four days. You got to stop the run. Well, guess what, Coos? My opinion's not going to change. You got to stop the run. You have to be able to run the football. Oh, just so refreshing, man. Just music to my ears. Hey, Sean McVay, go ahead and kick rocks. I don't care if you can pass the ball 45 times a game with your RPO. Give me a team that is hard-nosed. Give me a team that can run the ball and stop the run in December, in January, when the playoffs are on the line. Oh, Marcel, I can't get enough of it, man. See, I have an issue with that statement. Oh, here we go. For one reason and one reason only. And it's not because I love the wide receiver position. But why can't strong, physical, and tough (laughs) describe a passing game? Because the first thing that comes to mind when you describe a passing game is what? Speed. No. Hands. Oh, hands and speed. But you have to have speed to be a good passing game. But if all you have is speed, you will statistically be a a non-successful Wide receiver, because if all you have is speed, you won't get off the line of scrimmage. Listen, I'd put, go ahead, I'd put elusiveness in that conversation, Ooh, too. That's fair. That's a synonym. Listen, I, I understand. You've you, you played in your flake football leagues, and, and you guys use speed. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And, uh, I, well, I, I'm just saying. For the like, record, for the record, I got two seasons of semi-professional football okay, here. Yeah, for sure. So then you should know what I'm talking about, man, in terms of physicality, and the game is won and lost in the trenches. See, this is why I love football, <laughs> and this is why I get excited for things like this, because you have the Sean McVays, you have the Sean Paytons out there, who are all offensive-oriented, getting the wide receivers involved, using these RP all this good stuff. But at the end of the day, if you go back to the beginning of football, it was won and lost in the trenches. And if you look at the teams right now that are in the playoffs, that are trying to fight for a conference title, that are trying to go to the Super Bowl, guess what? It's still won and lost in the trenches. I agree. A lot of things change, but the, the one thing that remains the same, Marcel, and the one thing is that's the, the giant constant, which I can't get enough of, which I'm going to put my job application to these NFL teams because I said it every single day on the radio, give me a job, somebody. you got to be able to run the football, and you got to be able to stop the run. I mean, I agree with all that 100%. All I'm saying is that why cannot wide receivers be described as strong, physical, and tough. Oh, don't get it twisted. There are some out there. Julio and, and, Jones, Larry Fitzgerald. Well, to me, the one that stands out above the rest just because I had to play against him a couple times. Anquan Bolden. Anquan Bolden's a fantastic one. Andre Johnson. Andre Johnson. But, you know what's kind of... Still hasn't given Cortland Finnegan his helmet back. <laughs> Enough said. But you know what's kind of unique about what you just said? You know, the Andre Johnsons of the world, the Anquan Boldens. I would probably put like Debo Samuel in there too now. He's kind of like the new trend, right? And it was his name's Debo, so you better be kind of physical to be named Debo. And Metcalf. And Metcalf as well. Metcalf's, I mean, look at Metcalf and then talk to me about it. But um, from that perspective, though, it's funny because the guys that are considered, quote-unquote, the speedsters, maybe the more finesse wide receivers, what do they also have? An ego, right? Like, to me... You know, like to, to me, like Andre Johnson, okay? Yep. What, what, one of the best ever. Mm-hmm. But goes underneath the radar. Why? Mm-hmm. Because he didn't have the ego to go along with what he was able to do in the football field. Because he was this guy that took pride in blocking. He was this guy that took pride in doing it the right way. And he was pretty low-key off the field. Okay? Um, Julio Jones is an exception. I think Julio Jones even. Like, mm-hmm. for as good as Julio Jones is, I would be rocking crazy end zone celebrations, man. I would be in every single commercial I could get my hands on. Because Julio Jones is that much of a game changer. Like he isn't he on pace to break Jerry Rice's record for some kind of yardage for or he did break it. I've been instructed by an outside party that I'm no longer allowed to compliment uh, Julio Jones and or members of the Atlanta Falcons um, because of risk of being considered a homer. Oh, okay. Well, then, and in that case, I guess I'll have to check the facts myself. What do you myself. need me to say? <laughs>
<laughs> but but you mentioned it too. You know, it was like the the, the ability to stop the run. All right, and if you want to break down Yannick Ngakwe, and you want to break down one of the cons, I guess you could say, of what he had to do this season to improve on, what what he had to do to try to cement himself as a guy that should earn you know twenty something plus million a year. It would be in the run game. And I, and I think if you watched Yannick Ngakwe this past season, I think you saw a guy that made ginormous strides in the run game. Now, mm-hmm. Jacksonville's a defense as a whole, horrible in the run game, yeah. right? You, yeah. you, you gave it back-to-back-to-back 20-yard games uh, to running backs. That's not good, okay? Not saying that was Yannick Ngakwe's fault. Maybe he played a little part of it. But to me, Yannick Ngakwe made huge strides in the run game, yep. and it was very telling when I saw it on film. We obviously broke it down on the wall that says it all, or I like to call it the screen that has the green, whatever you want to call it. But Yannick Ngakwe got better in the run game. Do the Jaguars notice that? Uh, I mean, I, I would hope so. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it's kind of what your you know scouts and development players are there for sure. to notice things like that. Yeah, uh, to see things that you can't see. Uh, I mean, and I think it's. For him, honestly, I think it was pretty obvious. I mean, mm-hmm. I think for me, uh, coming into this season, that was my only, like, that was really the only reason that I could come up with as to why they would not lock Yon up. Obviously, mm-hmm. bona fide pass rusher. But for me, I was like, you know, I don't know if he's a, he's a top five pass rusher for sure. But I don't know if he's a top five, um, you know, defender on the end stopping the run. All, yeah, all around. Kind of, kind of like that Khalil Mack, right? right like the right, guy right. can do it all. Okay. Um, but I, I thought this year, you know, he took tremendous drives with that. I mean, I think the, the pick six he had in Cincinnati, I believe, was on the screen. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think Yon in years past, I think Yon in years past would have 100% shot to the passer. Like, that's that's my, my uh, uh, weak side linebacker job. I'm going to get the pass. Real quick, Marcel, and we, we both talk about Jan, and we had a, a nice little conversation actually during our break, and I think we share the same opinion here, and, and I've been very adamant about this. I think that Yannick Ngakwe, unless he makes that record-breaking deal, doesn't want to be in Jacksonville anymore because, once again, not necessarily what the money says, uh, it's not what the money that he gets, it's what the money says. And right now I feel like Yannick Ngakwe, after everything that's been going down with Tom Coughlin, other players getting paid, and him not getting that deal this past season, I think he feels disrespected. And I think you would agree with me here. So I guess my question is, because Jan's a guy I think you want to keep. I think we can both agree on that. You need him yeah. on your team. He He's a pillar of your team going forward, especially if Clayus Campbell is not going to be here. Money, in my opinion, is not going to be enough to keep Yannick Ngakwe. No. There has to be something else. How do you keep Yannick Ngakwe as a Jacksonville Jaguar? I mean, I think it's, it's honestly, I think it all comes down to trust and respect. I think for him, he's lost complete trust in the organization. I think that's what he means by when he said he's learned a lot. I think, mm-hmm. I just don't think he trusts them. And just from interacting with Jan, you know, with or without a microphone, respect and like trust and, and like all that kind of off field stuff means a lot to him. He's a typical DMV guy. Well, here's the, the quick question then. I mean, you spent a lot more time with Jan than I have. You know him. How do you earn that respect? How do you earn that trust back? Or is it something that you can't really salvage anymore? I mean, I don't know. I mean, with him, like, with it, with, because that is such a big deal, I feel like it's kind of one of those where he's he's one of those where he kind of feels like he's giving you ample opportunities, and it's, you know, once it's gone, it, it might be gone. Well, last question here. Let's go to break then. Say the Jaguars choose the franchise tag Yannick Ngakwe. Does he play? Uh, at some point. Even if he is tagged? At some point. At some point. <laughs> 
On the fence, Marcel Robinson. <laughs> Brett Martin would be so proud of you right now. Uh, more Jaguars talk, more NFL playoff talk when we get back here on ESPN 690. Yeah, I think for us, uh, to be able to go up, you know, and, and, and go to Green Bay and play in Lambeau and everything else for a playoff game is going to be a great matchup. They have a great defense. They got guys, you know, flying around in defense line in particular. And, uh, so we gotta, we gotta be ready to go. And, and in terms of Aaron, you know, he, he, like I said, the game's never over. Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson getting ready to take on the Packers in the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. Russell Wilson, not that great of a quarterback when he plays at Lambeau. Um, we'll, we'll break that game down here in a minute, but it's supposed to be at least possibly 10 inches of snow going into that game. High of 17, I heard. High of 17 as well, which uh, will make maybe for a running back duel more than a quarterback battle. But we'll break that one down in a second. But let's start with the first game uh, occurring on Sunday. You know, obviously, Stuart and I broke down uh, the Ravens-Titans, and we also broke down the other game occurring, which I can't even think of. Oh, I'm sorry, the, the Vikings-San Francisco 49ers yesterday. So let's break down the Sunday slate of games, start with the Texans and Chiefs. What do you like out of that game there, Marcel? Uh, I mean, ultimately, I like the, the Chiefs to win. Yeah. Um, I think that it's, it's going to be a good game early. But I think that ultimately, I think the Chiefs find a way to break through. And I think usually with them, once they find a way to break through, they break through early and often. I think the I don't think the final score will be an accurate assessment of how the game went. Yeah. Um, like, I think you're looking at like maybe like a, I don't know, like a 30, 35, 17 kind of game. Um, but I just don't, I just don't think Houston has enough to, to compete with them. Now, I do not take anything from Houston. I mean, I think defensively that they're going to they're going to give Kansas City everything they can handle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think over the course of a 60-minute game, like Kansas, Kansas City's just good, and and Patrick Mahomes is just so good. Do we know who the commentators are going to be yet for this game? Um, I don't know. Because well, here here's my big fear, and then then listen, I'll, I'll break down the game in a second. But literally, the first thing that comes to my mind as we're talking about the Texans and the Chiefs, can you imagine the love fest that's going to occur if Booger McFarland? is calling a J.J. Watt-Patrick Mahomes game. Oh, we don't need that anymore. On the field at the very same time. I, th- I feel like my TV might explode itself if that really occurs. So I'm not sure who the commentary is for that game. Well, it won't be them with the CBS game. Oh, so then we, yeah, we're all good then. Yeah. Okay, hey, then you know what? We're all great with you, man. So let's get, let's get down to breaking down the game real quick. And honestly, that... Um... I'm not sure. Okay. Not sure. Well, anyways, though, so th- this game's intriguing from a couple standpoints here. I think well, number one is obviously you have the battle of the quarterbacks from 2017. You know, yeah. and Deshaun Watson was a guy who visited Kansas City a couple times, met with Andy Reid, met with Mr. Dorsey, the GM at the time, and all things out of Chiefs camp, especially leading up to this week, were, was the fact that they liked Deshaun Watson. You know, they, they were intrigued by Deshaun Watson. Yep. But then entered and into a guy by the name of Patrick Mahomes, who comes in, who absolutely blows the door off, you know, blows the doors off of like the, the film study, blows the doors off of the, you know, the, the, the going on the whiteboard and drawing up plays. And I guess Andy Reid and Dorsey at the time just absolutely fell in love with Patrick Mahomes ever since the very first meeting. So it was kind of, I guess the proof was in the pudding. Um, the writing was on the wall where Kansas City knew that. Patrick Mahomes was going to be their guy, okay? And so far, it's been working out well. You know, I think Patrick Mahomes obviously is the better quarterback at the moment. Granted, he has a lot more weapons, I think, at his disposal. I think he has a better offensive game uh, guru around him right now at his disposal. But 
Deshaun Watson is kind of an enigma to me from the standpoint of if you go back to the Bills game this past weekend and you watch Deshaun Watson in the first half, let's be honest, he looked lost. It was not good. Now, some of that falls, obviously, on the offensive line. I think some of that falls on DeAndre Hopkins, just not his ability not to get open. Whatever the reason was, he was not doing well. And it's funny because Brent... Uh, I think Kuz and myself, we had a group text, and he even said, like, yeah, Deshaun Watson, not looking that good. I'm like, absolutely, I agree with you. To me, it's just so funny, though, when Will Fuller, you know, this guy who can't seem to stay healthy, the number two receiver, when he's healthy, that entire playbook, that entire offense, Deshaun Watson's confidence, it just everything opens up, and it's, it's a completely different ball team. And I thought the... You know, I, I thought the status quo was going to be, okay, well, let's say Will Fuller gets hurt. Go ahead and put Kenny Stills in on the two spot, and you should be all right. Kenny Stills is a guy who can do a lot of things, but he doesn't have the wheels like Will Fuller does. Right. He doesn't have the ability to take the top off. And anytime you have the ability to take the top off, anytime you have the ability to hit that home run ball, what the Kansas City Chiefs do so well, it changes the ball game, and it, cha- it changes how the defense um, you know, can kind of game plan around it. Keeps him honest. It keeps him honest, exactly. Well, Will Fuller is slated to hopefully be back for Houston and in my opinion you might see a different type of Deshaun Watson especially you know from the first half of that Bills game yeah I think so and and that's kind of one of the reasons why I think that it'll it'll be an entertaining game just because of the fact I mean I I mean yeah is Will Fuller you know a top 20 wide receiver in the league no but (laughs) he is a significant part of what Houston does um, as far as like spreading the ball around between him Stills and Hop. Um, I mean, I think you lose a, any any team. You lose a key piece like that to your offense. I mean, you're now you're kind of looking for for you know guys to fill that role. Sure. And it, and it may not be evident, but you have to think if you're Deshaun Watson, if you don't have your guy in there, there's not necessarily a loss of confidence. But the next guy that comes and fills in, there's going to be a little bit of you know he's not that guy. Mm-hmm. Like he's not Fuller. I think having his full complement of weapons, I think, will give him a little bit of a boost of confidence. Um, I mean, obviously, teams are going to roll coverage to DeAndre Hopkins when it's just him and Stills. Um, and I think that we'll see a lot more DeAndre Hopkins early. That's the thing with them. that When they started getting rolled in the second half, a lot of it started when DeAndre Hopkins got his first ball. Correct. Once he gets involved in the game, now the defense is like, okay, you know, you know this guy is kind of coming. We got to... You know, Eva eased up a little bit. Yeah. You know, they they may not bring the house. You know, because they got one on one coverage. They got one on one coverage with the safety rolling over to D Hop, and they got Kenny Stills over here one on one. And you know, anybody else do something, then whatever. That's cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, I just think that that Kansas City man, them that boys, them boys are machines, man. Once once they get rolling, like <laughs> they they can literally beat you everywhere. Um, and and as crazy as it sounds, Patrick Mahomes is only getting better game by game. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, I fully expect Romeo Cor- Cornell to send the house at Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that's the that's the pretty much the game plan on both sides. Sure. Pressure the quarterback and and rattle him a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think that Houston may have a better chance of of bringing the pressure. But I think Kansas City has a, a better quarterback in terms of handling that pressure. You know, and I think another uh, an eye to keep an eye on here is with Andy Reid. Obviously, Andy Reid is an offensive guru. He's an offensive genius. And I think what he's been able to do with Shady McCoy, you haven't heard Shady McCoy the past couple games. Why? Because he's kept him out. Shady, Shady McCoy has not played. And the theory behind it is he's not necessarily really hurt. 
Andy Reid's been saving him for the playoffs because they have a pretty good rapport. They spent some time together in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So I think Shady McCoy could also maybe be a game changer here where from the standpoint of it's probably going to be below 20 degrees, maybe around the 25-degree region um, in the weather. Maybe there's some snow coming. You know, th- this could be one of those old-school football games that I love so much where you have to run the ball a little bit. And I think if you have that at your disposal, Shady McCoy being healthy, I think that's going to help a little bit. Also keep in mind, and, and to me this is the ultimate X factor, and this is why I'm such an, an Andy Reid fan. Not only am I biased because I played with him, but I'm just I'm biased because I think he's a fantastic coach. Same. Andy, Can you guess Andy Reid's record all-time during the regular season following a bye? Um... I'm going to go percentage okay. um, as opposed to games. I'm going to say he's maybe close to – I'm going to go 80%. 80%. So I'm really bad at math. I'm not sure what the number rounds out to. But Andy Reid all-time is 18-3 and three during the regular season following the bye. What Eight. is it? What, is it 80? 18-3. 18-3. So, 18 mm-hmm. Yep. So what, what does that tell me? It tells me that Andy Reid can game plan his butt off. Okay? 86%. 86%. And it tells me that Andy Reid is going to have his team poised, primed, and ready to play, especially at home. And I think if you want to break down the Kansas City Chiefs, compare them to the Houston Texans, It's to me it's a lot like the Titans-Ravens game, where Houston does a lot of great things. Kansas City does those things, but they do them a lot better. Okay, mm-hmm. They have a lot more weapons. They have a lot more speed. I think even the run games right now are pretty comparable. And if you have that standpoint, you're playing in Kansas City, and you have Andy Reid at your disposal calling the plays, how could you not pick the Kansas City Chiefs? Like I told you, it's a yeah. machine. Yeah. Well, let's go to that other game quick, and we're joined today by Action News Jack's John Bachman, joined every single day. President Gentlemen. of the Minnesota Vikings, Jacksonville Division. Rocking that purple tie Come and on. the purple Come and yellow socks. <laughs> All right, so Marcel, you being the, the kind of the fashion guru that you are. Yeah, come on, tell me, tell I me what it. you think. Ten out of ten. Hey, ten out of ten. Hey, boy. I dig hey, it. Hey, hey, to be fair, he doesn't just give those away now, John. No, those that are is, that, t- listen, those I know Marcel earned. well enough to know that that is a yeah. high ranking. Yeah, I'm digging it. Thank yeah. you, sir. The only Appreciate thing he ever gave me was like, ah, uh, five out of ten. Out of anything wow. that I've ever worn. But, wow. hey, but you know me, man. It is what it is. I'm not necessarily the most stylish. You don't care as much either. I really don't care. Yeah. I don't have to be on TV that much. Just streaming yeah. services. And That's we're right. We're That's okay right. with that. Um, but, yeah, the Seahawks Packers. Seahawks Packers. John, now, hey John, now let's let's take your Viking. Fa- let's take the Viking fandom out of this. It's going to be hard for me to do All that. Right. I, I, I want you to take the motion out of it. I uh-huh. want you to analyze this from an open mind. Okay. Tell us what you like about it. I like Russell Wilson a lot. <laughs> okay. I like Aaron Rodgers a little. Decent. Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> Uh, I heard they're having to shovel snow tomorrow before the game, like big time. So, so, so it's going to be ten inches of snow. Right now, yeah. that's the day before. I'm not sure how much of an impact that'll have, other than I'm sure it's going to be cold. Yeah, and the field will not be pleasant. Sure, I don't know what that means because I would say that the Seahawks are kind of a ugly weather kind of team too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I mean, I think this one could go either way. I really do. Yeah. As a, as a NFC North backer, I would like to pick the Packers, but it's really hard to go against Russell Wilson in the postseason. So yeah. how does this make you feel, though? Okay, so you said you picked the Packers because of the NFC North. So yeah. you sound like an SEC fan right now <laughs> when Alabama goes, and or LSU now, and it's like, yeah, SEC is doing well. well. I, mean, I mean, is that how you're feeling about it, John? Well, Be honest I mean, when here. the Hawkeyes don't make the championship, which, of course, is like never happens, sure. uh, I have to root for the Big Ten, which okay. is usually Ohio State, and I hate Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, yeah, yeah. Buckeyes, but, um, <laughs> but I root for them because, you know, what's good for the – 
Big Ten is good for the Hawkeyes. But do you think it's different so than the NFL, though? But do you no, think it's I don't, I mean, it, you know, it, it, it's all well, the same. I, you know, I could go, I, I saw a lot of Jags fans who, you know, who said if you're, you know, you're, you're rooting for the Patriots over <laughs> that the Titans, gonna be my next you, point. you haven't been a deep Jags fan. Yeah, yeah, Look, yeah. I, I, I get that. Mm-hmm. I really do. Um, I've only been in Jacksonville for five years and I'm a Jags fan. So, uh, you could, you could make that argument against me because I understand what Tennessee means to Jacksonville as far as the rivalry. I mean, just in five years, you can you, you could go back a f- several games mm-hmm, and yeah. know what they've done to us. So I, I totally get that. Um, it's just a different philosophy. I, I mean, it is what it is. I, I Look, I don't like the Packers. Mm-hmm. I don't like the Packers at all. But if you're asking me who's going to win a, in Green Bay at Lambeau in January – it's hard to go in there and win. It it's is. hard to go in there. The Vikings were healthy, and they did it in the fall. They couldn't do it. Yeah, it absolutely is. And John's kind of got a little good thing going on Saturday. Obviously, he's the Vikings fan, but he also picked the 49ers to win the Super Bowl uh, during the preseason. I did. So it's kind of a win-win situation, if you're asking me. It's not. I'm a Vikings <laughs> fan. I want to be wrong so bad. Yeah, I, I want to be wrong. But, yeah, but here's the thing, though, man. If, if the 49ers actually indeed do win the Super Bowl, I can't think of a lot of people that have them, number one, going to the Super Bowl, number two, yeah. winning the whole thing. Yeah. So you can't look like a genius either way, I guess. Well, no, I, mean, I think it's very problematic for him if, if the uh, Vikings <laughs> don't beat the 49ers. Thanks, Marcel. I will be rooting very hard to be the dumbest guy in the room. Yes. All right, John, yeah. what else you got for us today, All man? All right, so have you guys seen this video that's circulating of the Russian ship uh, yes. coming crazy close to the USS Farragut, which, by the way, is based here in Mayport. I have not. Very, okay, very well, I tweeted video of it. Take a okay. look. It's from the Navy. The Navy, yeah. somebody on board the Farragut was rolling as this thing... Look, they were in the Arabian Sea, mm-hmm. a gigantic body of water mm-hmm. off the Indian Ocean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, right? pl- there's plenty of there parking spaces. There is no reason that Russian ship should have been anywhere near our ship. And then... When they, I mean, you'll see how, you'll see, they're, it's cruising alongside, and yeah. then as it crosses paths, it was, uh, it was close. It was aggressive. It was close. All right. And so that's, that's been a big, and this isn't the first time the Russians have done this, you know, last, I think seven months ago they did something similar. How you, how unusual is this? What does this mean? We're diving into some of that tonight uh, on Action News Jacks at five. Real quick, let's go ahead and go to our, Naval expert John Bachman here. Okay, I mean, sure. Is this a little gamesmanship from the well, Russians? Is this kind of like yes. Days of Thunder? I, I don't uh, think. Uh, uh, yes, yes. Are they trying know, to put Team USA in the wall right now? I, I, I don't know that they're trying to put us in the wall, but they are. That this is this is what you would call gamesmanship. I mean, oh, I'm not wow. an expert. I'm really not an expert, but <laughs> yeah, yes, it is. That's what it is. This Unreal. is basically. Well, I go back, when the newsroom. I was talking about Top Gun. Yeah, do you remember, of course. Do you remember when uh, when Goose and Mav? Did the flyover and mm-hmm. they, uh, the, the 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 Russian MIG and they they gave the international mm-hmm. symbol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah, of course. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm thinking of here. <laughs> Only in reverse and on the water, but that's kind of what this is. Yeah, um, interesting. But you know, it's not really. I mean, you know, we're we're laughing about it because nothing happened. Of course. And, and but you know, with with what happened recently in Iran, we've got ongoing you know issues with Russia. Uh, you know, this is a serious thing, and I gotta say, you know, I, I, the other thing, you know, does how often really does this happen that we just don't hear about it? Right. But it is something uh, of of high interest for for folks here in Jacksonville, not just because it was a Jacksonville ship, sure. but because of the Navy. And I gotta tell you, I was just recently on one of our Mayport ships. I spent 24 hours on board a ship. I'll tell you more about that later. I can't tell you all about it now. I'm working on a story for a couple weeks. Dang. That's a deep tease, friends. That's, that's what we do in the business. But folks. I, spent, I love that. 24 hours with 70 members of a crew 
and local Navy sailors. And I got to tell you, I was thoroughly impressed by the professionalism that these men and women uh, displayed while I was there invading their space. Sure. And I, I mean, you know, I can't imagine what what the, what the folks on the Farragut were feeling, but I got to believe. They weren't too happy. About oh yeah, it. Oh, I believe it. I mean, so, it, when, when uh, Brett and I were on the USS Polygnatius, yes, um, yeah. I mean, you, you got the sense that they were very proud of their ship, right? Yeah. Like, and that's that's like their home, basically. You yeah. know, and you have hundreds of people underneath that same home, and you have to defend it and you have to stand up for it. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely gonna key in today and yeah. see what was going so on. Check with it that out. We've got, yeah. we've got a couple of actual experts to weigh in on how often this happens. What does it mean? Is it really that big of a deal? You know, again, nothing came of it sure but there is a message being sent there and how do you respond how do you again you know the folks that that i know are professionals they would react professionally as you'd want them to react instead of how it could have gone you know Mm -hmm. let's i mean it's not just the action it's the reaction so there's there's a lot to this that we're going to look into and then the other thing as you're driving in your cars folks uh, out there listening uh, um i my wife does most of the heavy lifting in our house for getting our kids everywhere because of the shift that I work. Sure. But th- there's a new a new ride share coming to Northeast Florida that's going to that that sells itself as as a kid ride share. It's called Go-Kart, I guess. But they 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 are billing themselves as as Uber for your kid. Now that you're shaking your head, Marcel, because you have a kid, you know. Nah. Would you ever let your kid too? get in one of these cars now? Nah. On the surface you're saying no way, and that's exactly what I said. But we've got a story that that I won't say will change your mind, but it might get you thinking about it because of who these drivers are, the 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 details that the company says they go to to make sure that they're they're vetted and all of that. I'm not selling it. I'm not selling it and I'm not buying it. But I'm telling you, yeah. when I read the story, which we have at five o'clock, yeah. My first gut reaction was exactly Marcel's. No way. I was just saying. No nah. way. You, 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 gotta, better, you, gotta nah. as well. you better have like I, the best British nannies come across the pond yeah. with their sweet, wholesome accents driving these vehicles. And maybe, just maybe, am I considerate? Well, you're on to something, and I'll leave that as a tease. British nannies. No, no, not British <laughs> nannies. But, but the people driving may be along those lines that may, I say may, yeah. At least get you thinking. Well, okay, maybe not, but well, yeah. if, I, if it was on a pinch or whatever, may, you know. Anyway, well, as a talker, say, yeah. I think you'll find the I story fascinating, well, even if you don't think you'd ever do it. The last thing you want is some teenager blaring some, you know, music, oh and all of a sudden your, your kid picks up on it, which Marcel, happened to my kid. Would you kid, let by Austin show up at your house and take your baby girl? Come on, and drive? Marcel. Come on now. I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't let anybody show up at my house and take my oh, child. What's up, man? <laughs> what's up? No, no. I'm gonna be honest though. So, uh, you know, obviously, my son and I, I drive him to school every single morning, and he. He's been all about that little Nas X still. I know, right? He's still listening gotta to that. Go. Yeah. You gotta let it go. But uh, now we're to Travis Scott a little bit. And, and I like if Travis Scott's kind of like that mumble rap a little bit. Yeah. I like that because even through the bad words, <laughs> you he, can't he doesn't pick up on them. <laughs> yeah. You know? So yeah. like, because it's all about the beats, right? That's so he's all about yeah. the beats. Yeah. yeah. Until I drop him off and he goes, I'm the highest in the room. Oh. Hope I make it out of here. I go, hey, Ronan, come here. <laughs> we, we don't say that at school and we don't say that at home. So now when he gets home, <laughs> <laughs> through the door and he greets me. He's always like, I'm the highest in the room. Hope I make it out of here. I'm like, yeah, buddy. So okay. he's putting your face in it is what he, he's doing. He kind of is, man. Little sponges, though. Wow. Those little minds. Really John, little sponges. I'll tell you a quick story. I was driving <laughs> one of my daughters when they were really young. Yeah. And um, 
I was yelling at somebody, you yeah. know, and I and and a couple a couple days, a couple weeks later, we were stopping and waiting for somebody to turn and. From the back of my car, I hear, "What are you waiting for an invitation?" <laughs> <laughs> I just, I was like, "Oh my, I was mortified." I was mortified. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh! They, so they are awesome. sponges. They, they are everything. total that's sponges. Awesome. So just remember that. Fantastic, man. Yeah, All John, right, that's awesome, man. Yeah, see you guys. Thanks so much for having me. Go Vikings, man. Good luck Go to you. Go Vikings. We say skull up north. Skull. Do you do you look at the ice? Like, oh. oh, but be, hey, hey, what? Go ahead first. Well, I got a bone to pick. With that. All right, pick pick with me on it just a second. But let okay. me tell you, I was I was up at US Bank Stadium yeah. for the first game of the season last season. So okay. not this season, but last season. Cool. And guess who it was against? The 49ers. Interesting. Kittle picked us apart. Jimmy yeah. G t- found him, but the Vikings won. Okay. Kirk Cousins threw a couple of dimes in the end zone and and they won that game. Now, obviously it's a different season and it's in Minneapolis and not out in San Fran. Yeah. Yeah. But they hung. They, you know, San Fran's defense was maybe not quite as good as it is now, but it was pretty close, and they, they, they were able to run on them a little bit. So I think the Vikings are going to keep it close. I think the line is at seven. Yeah. I I want to say they're going to cover that. Okay. Well, I don't know if they're going to win, but I think they're going to keep it within seven. Before, that's, just me, that's just me saying, though. Before I eviscerate I have your no team money on that game, by the way. and okay. your team's fans, before oh, I eviscerate them, come let, on. Let me start wow. by saying, let me start wow. by saying, I love the Twin Cities, man. It's one of the yes. cleanest cities yeah. um, in the country. It's one of the coolest cities in the country. Great fruit. Well, like, for three months out of the year, anyway. Well, exactly. They're getting I mean, like ten it, inches it, of snow right now. Chilly. They can have it. But let me ask you this. Yeah. The whole Viking clap. Thing. What about it? Okay. What about it? I like it. Oh, I love it. But here's the problem. I saw Iceland do it in the World <laughs> Cup about, I don't know, six years ago. Not, hey, and keep in mind, you want to talk about SEC and the loyalty, I've watched a lot of Vikings games in my time. All you guys brought to the table was that stupid horn, okay? Annoying. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, wow. the, the Icelandic fans start doing this in the World Cup, and a couple mm. years later, you open that new stadium, and oh, what's this? Vikings fans in Minnesota doing this clap thing? Hey, did, did you steal it, John? Did you steal it? I would like to say John, that they are recognizing they are recognizing a very good thing did you and try to they steal are, it though? they're they're using it. They're uh. not stealing it. Hey, what are the Braves where'd the Braves get their their chant from? John, I'm not talking about the Braves I'm right now, saying, man. I'm just I'm just oh. I'm just throwing it out there. Like Nicholas Cage oh. and National Treasure, man. Here come the Vikings fans trying to steal something from different countries. Oh. All all good ideas were, were meant to be shared. I don't believe there's a patent on that from Iceland. Do they have a patent on the on the clap? They don't have a patent okay. on it. And I'm gonna say did it's the, probably the best this, chant did, in all of did, NFL. So. Exactly. Yeah, did, the Seminole, awesome. did the Seminoles have the uh, the patented for the uh, for the chop? I have no idea where the that even came now, from, man. The, I have the well, Braves. No, because the, the, the Chiefs do it too. Chiefs and the Braves. It. Yeah. There you well, go. There you go. So the Chiefs borrowed something from somebody yeah. else too. Okay. And the, and the Terry Parker High School Braves. Did they do? Did they do? No, they don't. So there you go. But yeah, yeah. So mm. you got to like it, though. I lo- it's better than and the horn. the horn is fantastic. Oh, I'm going to be... Hey, can we agree on one thing? The <laughs> horn's ridiculous. Okay? The horn's absolutely ridiculous. Did you hear Mike and Leach? Did you jingle. hear Mike Leach the other day? Yeah. In yeah, cold yeah. weather, who yeah. are you going to back? No. Okay. He, I'm did, just he, saying, he did say that. I'm okay. just saying. The horn's Vikings ridiculous. Vikings versus Pirates. That's right. I think we can all agree to. And, and listen, I grew up a Packers fan. The Packers jingle the bump, 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 go... Yeah, I think that's a little ridiculous too. Okay, we come with me on that one. I will definitely go there. And then the horns, I have little, no problem saying the horn, that's ridiculous. And the, the horns, horns a little cool, ridiculous. Man. Okay, that's all I'm gonna say. I'm done. I've, I've spoken my piece. I mean, would you like to throw any more shade on anyone else's fan? No, base? this is this has been my TED talk of throwing shade on fan bases. So uh, does the, do the Jags need something? I mean.
mean, they have Duval, right? Uh, like, yeah. I don't. No, you don't like the Duval chain. No, no, no. Marcel's not, coming no, no, no. to me. No, no, no. Choose your next words wisely. I am not saying I don't like it. What I am saying is that it did not originate with the team. No, correct. Oh, of course not. But that's but that's kind of their calling card, is it not? Yeah, but, yeah. But to be fair, so, it originated in Jacksonville. Yes, but well, it, it carried more weight for me okay. during spring break in 2012 in Panama City. Okay. We were surrounded by you know schools from other cities and states you gotcha. know, yelling out Duval. It meant more to me then than it does now. That's all I'm saying. Okay. All right. Well, I personally like the Jags using Duval. Yeah. Do they need? I mean, they've got the bell that they ring, right, with the with the uh, military. Yep. Which I think is fantastic. It's my favorite part well, of the whole game. I mean, do they still after every single touchdown they play Pennywise, right? Do they, do they still do that? The, the Pennywise song. I should know the answer to that, but I don't. Marcel's know the looking at me like I'm crazy. Where's uh? Where's uh? I'm not sure if you're aware, but we didn't score many touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, wow. <laughs> Well, I'll say Skull and Duval and leave you all. Fair enough, man. John, thanks for stopping Johnny by, B. dude. Good to see you. Check him out at 5 o'clock on CBS 47 Fox 30 Action News Jack. All right, when we get back, talk about some more Packers, Seahawks, breaking that game down a little bit. Does Russell Wilson have a chance in Lambeau, a place he struggled to play? We'll talk about it next on ESPN 690. I think everybody feels pressure. I think it's, it's a different type of pressure, though. I think as a young player... The pressure that you put on yourself is to be accountable to your teammates and to be able to have your teammates know that you were ready to play, that you left it all out there, and that you, uh, you care about them enough to, to lay it on the line. I mean, that's the pressure that I think drives all great competitors is, is uh, loving winning and that feeling and hating losing and, and wanting to compete with your, uh, your friends and teammates. That's Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Getting ready to play the Seahawks on Sunday. Joined today by Action Sports Jack's Marcel Robinson, who has just broken Brent Martineau's microphone, and now is holding it in his hand. And he's comfortable. I mean, be honest. Like the arm, like I have here, isn't yeah. that ideal? No, no. You mm-hmm. you don't prefer you you'd rather hold it in your hand. Yeah. Because I, I guess you're used to doing that on TV, right? That might have something to do with it. I okay. don't know. It's just I just feel restricted. Okay. Like I like to feel free. Fair enough. Well, you actually you have some big news regarding how people may not be able to watch football starting next year, and we'll get into that in a second. But I want to quick talk about break down this Seahawks-Packers game. Uh, expected possibly 10 inches of snow. They're mm. uh, they're offering fans to come by and shovel the, the bleachers and the field and everything like that. Nah. I've played in some of those games uh, back in high school in Wisconsin. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't have the luxury of fans to come shovel the field, so we actually just played with like 10 inches of snow, 20 degrees, not wearing long sleeves because our coach was a against us wearing long sleeves because he thought that it made us miss tackles. So I'm out here freezing my ass off in 10 degrees, rocking just a T-shirt. I'm sorry. Just a, just a crop top. I'm sorry, but he would have had to show me some science to prove that. <laughs> <laughs> I need some statistics. Show me some of those myth busters. I need some statistics No, exactly, on that one. man. I think it was more of just like, you know, setting the tempo. Once again, winning in the trenches, man. You have to have the mentality, Marcel. But what do you foresee happening with the Seahawks and Packers here? Um... I think it's a big game, honestly. Yeah. I think that now look, it don't kid yourself, man. Anyone who thinks that this seventeen degree high with, you know, a lot of snow on the ground is not going to be a factor. I don't think it's gonna be as long as it's not snowing, you know, actively, you know, during the game, I think it'll I don't think it'll play as much of a factor. 
uh, just because, of, you know, fresh powder obviously is, is much different than, you know, on the ground. Mm-hmm. But I think that I don't think this is necessarily going to like typically in games like that, you would think that it would be hey, this is all about the ground game. It's going to be ground and pound. I don't think that's going to be the case. Interesting. I, I think that this is one of those games because we get into the, some of those where we have those games where it's pouring rain. I was like, oh, they're not going to throw the ball at all. And we leave in the statue is about 300 yards passing on both sides. I think fans, especially if you follow fantasy football, they really underestimate how much the weather does not affect the game. Exactly. Unless it's windy. Mm-hmm. You know, now obviously snow on the ground could make a difference. I think everyone's expecting the, the field to be cleared off. So, yeah, you're going to play in cold temperatures, but mm-hmm. guess what? It's playoff football. It happens. But, yeah, from your perspective, I feel like if it's not going to be that windy, you're not going to just see this old school throwback kind of run em up kind of game. No, I, yeah. I, I fully expect uh, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers to let it loose as as much as they want to. Mm. I'm not I'm not naive to say think that it won't be a factor. Obviously, when it's cold like that, if you're catching the football, that ball is already hard enough. When it's 80 degrees outside, if you're catching 17, you're basically catching concrete blocks. Mm-hmm. You know, um, which whether whether we'll see an increase in the amount of drops or or you know um, ball security issues, obviously is going to be a factor. But I still think I still think this one we see a good game. I think you got two quarterbacks on both sides. Both of them are gamers. Both competitors. Both don't like to lose. Um, both typically don't disappoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we we see. Um, if I had to pick to win, I think I would probably have to roll with. I might roll with Seattle. Honestly, roll with Seattle. Huh? Now, now look, winning Lambeau is tough enough as it is during the postseason. I mean, it's you know the story tells itself. Yeah. But I I really just think that Seattle's got a shot to go in there and win it. And the question comes, you know, I mean, obviously Tyler Lockett being their one receiver, but DK Metcalf, sort of the guy now he, who's now kind he, of been that star. He's interesting, though, for me, because I don't know, obviously, you know, him playing down at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. He's probably never played in a game like this before. <laughs> well, and let's be honest. Uh, I, I'm sure. I mean, have you played it on snow before or not? Like, have you? I've never it, played it, in snow. It's it been is cold, different. But you know, like I mean, it's to the point where if you're a defensive lineman, if you're a wide receiver, you you have to make times. You like you have to adjust. You know, like you you're you're wary of what's going on. So. From that perspective, it does affect how you run routes. It does affect how you rush the quarterback. It does affect it does affect how you run the ball. So, once again, maybe there's not going to be that much snow on the ground per se, but it's still going to change how you do things. Mm-hmm. And you can't simulate it. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like yeah. obviously, you know, Seattle is not necessarily the warmest state in the, in the in the country, but yeah. at the same time, it's not Lambeau Field in you know, January. Yeah. Um, now, granted, I think they have a lot of vets. I don't necessarily think that he's going to struggle in the game. I'm just interested to see, honestly, how he goes about it. Like, I don't know if some of the plays that he's been making, like last week the play he made, um, and some of the crazy plays he's been making all season, you know, I don't know if he makes all of those. Because it's not just running and catching. I mean, it's hitting and getting hit, too. Yeah. You know, once the temperature's that close, cold, it's like you're getting hit by a Mack truck. Let's quick assume it's going to be a sloppy game, okay? And let's say that you're going to have to rely on running the ball. If it's a full-strength Seattle Seahawks backfield, I love their chances. But it's not. Travis yeah. Homer, Marshawn Lynch mm-hmm. taking on Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams. Obviously, advantage, in my opinion, goes to, goes to Green Bay. Same. Do you think the game-changer could be, and once again, assuming it's going to be a sloppy, snowy type of game where you have to pound the rock, do you think they incorporate Russell Wilson into the run game, a la what they did with San Francisco years back with Colin Kaepernick, and is that going to be the difference in the ballgame with Russell Wilson and his ability? And it's kind of, you know, I mean, it's kind of goes under the radar a little bit, but it's under the radar ability to run the football. I think it certainly can be. I don't know if they'll take a, you know, extra 
emphasis on running him out, running him. I think that he may, you know, in his, you know, kind of just improvisational mm-hmm. skills, he may do that. Uh, there may be times when he may take off and run as opposed to kind of sitting back there and waiting a little bit. But I don't know if they'll try to say, per se, get out of their game plan of, you know, those do what got you here. Sure, sure. I don't know if they'll stray away from that. As uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, and they they'll run a little bit of read option with him every now and then, mm-hmm. um, especially I mean, if the passing game isn't working, then of course, yeah, if if the passing game isn't working, your your stereotypical running the ball through your a gaps and whatnot isn't working, then yeah, sure, I mean, you throw in some wrinkles like that, but I don't envision them like say have, adding a separate package, like you know, uh, okay, you know. For lack of better comparison, like a Lamar Jackson wrinkle, package. yeah, you, you, you don't foresee him adding a new wrinkle to the game plan, no, 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 no. even even if the receiving game kind of goes to to crap. Yeah, <laughs> because I think when you start doing stuff like that, you're kind of getting out of you know what got you, you are. here. Okay, and, and and when you start trying to play outside of your identity, that's when mistakes are made, mm-hmm. and that's when you lose games. All right, uh, so who you got? So take, I'm still taking Seattle. Taking Seattle. I mean, it's tough okay. to root against Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. All right. But. I, I'm taking Green Bay then. Um, I teased a little bit. We can get into just a, a little short glimpse right now, a little preview for the next segment here. But you talked about fans that might not be able to watch football uh, this up and coming season next year. Oh, no. This is actually this weekend. Oh, this weekend this is, is going down. This is right now. This All right. Is, this is well, hours, hit us with some away. knowledge real quick. Just a little, a little sample, and then we'll come back into it after the break. Uh, a little sample of it. Basically, if you are a DirecTV slash AT&T customer or additional network customer there is a major change that you will be without football um maybe not so much so dish network but if you're a direct tv or at&t subscriber there is a very 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 reasonable chance that you will not see football on your tv this weekend all right we'll get into more of that um thank gosh i stream man that's all i'm gonna say but we'll get into, we'll get into more of that obviously after the break and talk about what i guess steps you can take if you can't watch uh you know on this weekend which is just chalked full of football even leading up into monday more on espn 690 when we get back like i said i'm still dealing with the pack it's not like it all went away over the course of the last week so um still trying to work with it and do everything that i can um while still being smart and making sure that i'm uh diligent with the way i attack the work and, and not trying to re-aggravate it along the way so it's just a matter of playing football, and once you get out there, the adrenaline takes over, and the game takes over, and you just kind of, it's like riding a bike. You get out there, and you just instincts take over the game, and like you saw in the last game, once the third and fourth quarters come around, and it's it's go time, you know, there's really, everything kind of goes out the window, and you just play football the way you know how to play it. J.J. Watt used to play in a cold weather, not going to affect him in Kansas City, even if he only has one and a half pectoral muscles right now at his disposal. Also, uh, kind of a bummer, a little news story. Actually, John Bachman just tagged me in this, and you can hear the sound in the background, a little closer in the heart. Uh, sorry, closer to the heart by Rush. Rush drummer Neil Peart, dead at 67 from his bout with brain cancer. So, um, you know, obviously sending good vibes to him and his family. Well wishes. Um, obviously a very talented musician from a very talented and in my opinion, awesome band, a band that I grew up with as a kid. Um, my stepdad really turned me on to them. So um, sad news to hear, but you heard about J.J. Watt getting ready for the playoffs. And whether the fact you can actually watch the playoffs is a big question right now for some TV viewers out there, Marcel. You kind of teased it a little bit, but finish this up here. Put, put a little bow on this. So basically, what, for my interpretation, if you have AT&T or DirecTV, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're not watching football this Sunday or a Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, basically what's happening for uh, viewers in our market, um, 
there is a you know the way this thing works as far as like contract negotiations to carry certain channels. You know, you have to do this every year mm-hmm. you know, for every company, Comcast, DirecTV, all of them. Uh, so basically, tonight is the deadline for DirecTV, which now is you know in conjunction with AT and T, um, to strike a deal to carry uh, CBS. So basically, what the way this works is, um, you know, both sides going back and forth, and and to be honest with you, it, it's kind of related as like a expensive chicken fight. Really, it's kind of like who's going to bend first. <laughs> sure, but sure. basically, what happens by midnight tonight if they don't strike a deal, CBS will not be carried in our area on Directv and AT and T, which obviously means that you will miss, you know, yeah. playoff games and other CBS programming. Um, and now a bigger deal for this is is it's not just for you know obviously a bunch of residential you know people who have dishes and stuff. A lot of sports bars and places around here have have Directv. Oh wow! So if you're say you know you're you're you name your sports bar if you're carrying Directv and you're yeah. expecting a huge audience you know to come in and watch the game if they don't strike that deal tonight by midnight they won't have the game either. Mm-hmm. Now how do you get around that? Well, I mean you I mean you you find somebody who has a game on or streaming services you know over the air antenna you can go get those. Um, but that's basically what the deal is. I was talking to one of our program directors before I came up here, and he said, I mean, that's basically what it is. If, if, if you, now, Dish is kind of in the same situation, but you're good through the weekend. I think okay. he said, I think he said Dish runs out on, on Tuesday. So you won't have, you know, the next week, you know, the, the, when it starts to get good. Sure. But basically for DirecTV, anyone, doesn't matter if it's residential or commercial, you won't have CBS and you won't watch football. Now, I say this um, because a lot of times when you hear stuff like that, it's like, okay, well, well, what do I need to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really not something because we kind of go through this, not necessarily a lot, but it's something that kind of is is an issue every now and then. But the th- it's And it's not a local, really a local issue like for us. Like what will happen is if they don't get this deal struck um, tonight and people don't have CBS on DirecTV, they're going to call the station, which okay. will in turn be forwarded to the sports office. Which will in turn be forwarded to me, the only person in the sports office tomorrow. So you're gonna have to answer a lot of phone calls. Well, that's why we're talking about this right now. I'm letting, I'm letting everyone so this falls know. on you. I'm letting everyone know right now. Yeah. If if this does not happen, which by the way, usually this stuff kind of works out in the eleventh hour because it's kind of like one of those like you know, all right. Because if you're Directv, yeah. if if you don't have sports on the yeah, weekend, what are we doing? I'm gone. Exactly. I'm gone. Kind of, what, what are we doing here, everybody? No, yeah. You no know, cable streaming and all that stuff. For sure. For sure. So for me, it's basically like you know. For every phone call, for everyone's sake. So this is this is my public disclaimer. Yeah. You know, if well, this does not happen, and you call the sports office tomorrow, where I am by myself, yeah. I'm gonna tell everyone the exact same thing. I'm sorry to hear about that. Yeah. Um, because we have Directv in our sports office. Sure. Now we also have Comcast, but yeah. one TV we have Directv. So it's like, look, hey, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's nothing I can do. You gotta call Directv. Because well, and let's be and with all due respect to you, I mean, this is. This is out of your pay grade, man. This is out of your jurisdiction. Completely. Yeah, like you have no say in if other people can watch football or not. So that's why but you Brent have to answer for it. <laughs> no, yeah, no wonder why Brent's gone. He saw this whole thing coming. He's like, I'm out. Uh, I mean, and it's, and it's just crazy because it's like, it's crazy to think about because you're like, well, I mean, what do you mean I won't have CBS? Like, it's not a concept that really most people would even really grasp, but sure. it, it is very real and it happens all the time. But it's usually solved in the eleventh hour. Okay. But if tonight is that tenth out of tenth time. Um, where it doesn't get solved, then it's going to be a lot of angry people. Now, how do you solve it? I mean, it's, it's not, on a viewer's standpoint, there's not much you can do. I mean, you can call DirecTV, but nine times out of ten, if you call DirecTV, they're going to say, look, it's out of our hands. you got to call your local affiliate. Sure. And, and then you can say the same thing. And they call me. You know what I'm going to tell you? 
Yeah. Sorry, man. It's out of my head. You got to call DirecTV. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it, it legitimately is. No one's got an answer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wow, man. Interesting. So that could... I, I feel bad for it. Well, let's, let's hope that everything gets worked out. So now let's assume everything does get worked out in the 11th hour, like you said. Yeah. I mean, will there be an announcement? Will this be all over the interwebs? Like, how, how people are going to know this? I think usually it's just business as usual. I think usually okay. because, like, it's because this happens so much, like, it's one of those where you don't really want to panic the 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 masses sure. until like it is you know coming about like yeah. now like we have on, on cbs 47 and fox 30 we'll have crawls running through kind of like our news program and our re- regular program and say hey look this is what's happening you might not see this tomorrow you know call direct tv if if you you know want to call and let them know uh basically trying to tell t- kind of keep people on our side because to be completely honest with you, I mean, who's cool or us or direct tv let's be honest oh i'm going with you guys all day you know i but, mean n- number one you guys help me pay the bills but also but I, don't, I, mean, I don't have direct tv so but it's just so crazy because just just imagine say you you and your buddies y'all got this planned out y'all are going to watch you know the game tomorrow night on cbs mm-hmm. and you're just, let's just roll into an alehouse and watch it well the game ain't gonna be on yeah so. interesting wow well Hopefully everybody will be able to watch the game. If I mean, not, I mean, honestly, you'll be answering a lot of phone calls. I'm sure. I, I, you know, <laughs> you going to voicemail? I'll, I'll have you going I'll, to voicemail. I'll have my eight year old assistant with me from the hours <laughs> of two to four. She'll be taking all phone calls. I love it. Uh, but I, honestly, for me personally, I feel, I mean, this is something that usually gets worked out. I mean, it's, it's something that's kind of like where you push it. It's just like NFL contract negotiation. You push it to the last minute. Try to squeeze every little dollar you can. Yeah. And to finally say, you know what? We're at a stalemate. Let's just get this done so we don't have to deal with if, the headache. If I'm being honest, I kind of want you to send them to voicemail so that they're recorded so that we can play them back. Now we're talking. <laughs> when we're back next week. Now well, we're talking. Sorry, Brent. You can blame Coos for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, man, like, you know, the direct, it's funny how like DirecTV now and Comcast, it's like it's the, it's the old school way of thinking, right? Like now it's all about the streaming, mm-hmm. all the streaming services and of that nature. And I guess kind of speaking of like old school versus the new school. It comes down to quarterbacks. You know, I think if you turn on any kind of TV show right now regarding sports, it's all about, all right, let's rank the quarterbacks. Who's the best quarterback in the playoffs right now? Who's second best? Honestly, I really don't care. I think they're all good. They're in the playoffs. Congratulations. But what I want to get into after the break here, Marcel, is is the era of the old quarterbacks starting to fade away now? Is, is this the new school? Is, is this the dual threat time to shine? And are guys like Tom Brady, guys even like maybe a little bit of Aaron Rodgers, are Drew they Brees? kind of a Drew Brees? Are they kind of a fading star in a new school world? We'll get into that next on ESPN 690. Yeah, I think it's a mentality. I mean, that, that's the biggest thing at this point of the season. You're not going to be feeling the best. You're not going to be in the your perfect tip, tip top shape. But you have to have that mentality that every single day you're gonna you're gonna try to be great. And I feel like with this team, with Tyron and with Frank, and then with the offense guys, Travis and Tyreek, that we've kind of built this mentality that every single day we're going to go out there and be the best players that we can be. There you go. Cool. Just let it play a little bit, man. A little spirit of the radio. More rush. Nothing wrong with that, man. I'm not complaining whatsoever. Also, Patrick Mahomes. Big Pat. Do you kind of feel like Patrick Mahomes is just kind of the undercard now of this whole NFL shindig just because of guys like Jackson who have kind of come by and, you know, I, Lamar Jackson kind of ruined uh, all the Patrick Mahomes hype? I think my my analogy for what Patrick Mahomes right now is, Patrick <laughs> Mahomes is what the Clemson Tigers are for college football. Ooh. Still good. Still going out. Still legit. 
and yet still kind of, not necessarily slept on, yeah. but very much so like in the backseat. Like all the talk in the college football playoff was LSU, Ohio State, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. It's like, what about Clemson? Good point. You know, and a lot of that can kind of stem from the comps that they play in the ACC where it was pretty underwhelming this year. We're actually going to break the Clemson LSU game down a little later on the show, kind of give our predictions. And I think it's definitely an interesting game. If not, might be the most intriguing football game uh, of, of all either Saturday, Sunday or Monday. I mean, I think it's a, a game where it could be a coin flip. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But we kind of teased it. Um, right before the break here, Marcel, we, we talked about, like, listen, we can go ahead and do the power rankings of what running, what, what quarterback would you take right now? Um, you know, in the playoffs, who do you think is the best quarterback? It's, it's played out, man. All right. I'll, I'll be honest. It's played out and I, I've, I've seen it too much on ESPN and I don't think we need to talk about it anymore. I, I don't need to rank the playoff quarterbacks. To me, they're all pretty dang legitimate. So they wouldn't be in the playoffs right now. Thanks. Fighting for a division title. So. I want to take it in a different direction, and I want to analyze, because if you look at these quarterbacks right now, right, and you look at the Tannehills, you look at the Russell Wilsons, you look at the Aaron Rodgers, and then you got kind of, you know, the, the, the newer school guys of Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. Um, I think Jimmy Garoppolo can be said as more the old school guy just from what this, the physical yeah. tools that he brings, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, who am I missing here? I'm sorry. Oh, and then I Kirk Cousins, yeah. definitely the old school guy, mm-hmm. and I get it. You know, the, the, the old school is still going strong, right? But at the end of the day, you have guys like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. And to me, those are the two guys that everyone's talking about right now. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is still doing his thing, you know, but I think and do I dare say he's taking a back seat to Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson in, in the playoffs? I, I think he has, in my opinion. So my question to you is, going forward now, are we going to see a paradigm shift? and how we perceive the quarterback position, or is this kind of just a flash in the pan? We're not sure Lamar Jackson is going to do yet. We're not sure how Patrick Mahomes is going to do yet in the playoffs if they win a Super Bowl or not. Is this just kind of a, a special diamond in the rough, and we're not going to see these type of guys going forward in the NFL? I think that – see, I think – I don't know if we're necessarily going to see like a major shift, but to a certain extent, I feel like – it's the the world is kind of turning a little bit. Mm. Like I think now, you know, the the idea behind like running quarterbacks, so to speak, has always been a year's oh well somebody will figure them out and then there'll be a, a flash in the past. Well, 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 and of course there's always the concern of injury as well, right? Which is huge, right? Like he, yep. he he he's running like that in college. He won't run like that in the NFL because the guys are bigger, everyone's faster, and he he'll he'll have to use his arm and he'll fail. Mm-hmm. You know, that's always been kind of like the way people have looked at a lot of people coming out of college. Um, but I think we're starting to see a lot more success with that. Now, I think a lot of that comes with a lot of, you know, the college teams that we have are are kind of getting to that newer spread style, you know, run read option pass uh, type of thing as well. So we're seeing a different class of athlete coming in at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. Um I think guys like, you know, Breeze, Rodgers, Brady, I think those are kind of the three guys where it's kind of like, you know, it doesn't matter, new school, old school, as long as these guys are playing, they're going to be tearing it up. Sure. But, um, and like you said, I, th- I think Jimmy Garoppolo is probably right on, he's on the fence but leaning kind of more towards that side. Uh, and by that side, you mean he's more of the, the pocket passer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah kind of like the, like the, I mean, he's not a statue, but he's also not, you know, a runner. Correct. They're, they're not running re, run read options with him as much, <laughs> Correct. obviously. Yeah. Um, Kirk Cousins, you know, is going to, you're going to get with him. Yeah. Um, Ryan I mean, Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill, same way. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at like some of the teams the Jaguars play. All, all the games that they've won, 
they had success against quarterbacks who were not move the pocket guys. So then the rest, you know, it obviously leaves, leaves Lamar Jackson. It leaves Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, who I think you'd agree with me are the, the newer school types of quarterbacks, more so Patrick Mahomes and his ability to kind of create that pass. Because to me, Patrick Mahomes isn't really necessarily a dual threat guy, but he he has the legs to create passes, kind of like Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers does a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My question yeah. to you, though, Russell Wilson. Okay, Russell Wilson, I played against Russell Wilson, okay? I've game planned against Russell Wilson, and you have to take his... And how, how do I put this? He's he's to me he's a he's a scrambler, okay? And he's very unassuming of actually how fast and athletic he is. Because if you look at him in the football field, you see this short kind of do I dare say pudgy kind of guy because right, he's got that right. big black vest on right, right. underneath for his ribs. And I remember watching him like, eh, you don't look that fast. And I actually played against him in college too when I was at Murray State, and he was at NC State. So I had a history with Russell Wilson. And, like, when you see him on the field, it's kind of like, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, okay. But then once he shakes you out of your boots. And then takes one, you off for 20. Exactly. Once he, you know, breaks you down, breaks those ankles, puts you on national television and says, oh, cool, check this out. I'm dating Sierra. I'm not married to her. <laughs> check this out. Uh, Shout out to future. You, you, find out who, you find out he's the real deal. So my question to you is Russell Wilson, Marcel Robinson, mm-hmm. new school or old school? I think, and we were talking about this earlier, I think he's like, if I had to, I don't know if I could put Russell Wilson in one of those categories. I feel like he's like the transitional guy. He's he's the bridge. He is sort of the bridge where it's kind of like, he's sort of, because he, he if it were up to him, he's staying in the pocket and throw all, all day. Because he can sure. do that. Yeah. But at the same time, like you said, he knows when to use his athleticism to his advantage. And he's Which is of, a lot like Jackson, too, to be fair, because Jackson this year has thrown a lot more than he's ran. He has, he, he has, which, which, first of all, I love because, I mean... I think anybody would love it. But at the same time, I think it's different because with Lamar Jackson and Vic was the same way, um, they ran to run. Mm. With um, Russell Wilson, it's obvious that he runs to pass. Like, he's a guy, he's going to, you know, when you're playing Madden, you're running around, you'll run back 15 yards to throw it 40. Yeah. Like, he's that guy. Like, he, he's running to kind of create space downfield. And I think a lot of the guys that are going to come in, um, they may not be, you know, you know, super runners like Lamar Jackson, but they're kind of the same way. I mean, because for me personally, that's what I see Patrick Mahomes is. He's, yeah. a, he's a bigger, stronger um, maybe not as you know football smart as Russell Wilson yet, but he's basically for me as far as playing style, they're basically the same guy. So, so as to kind of summarize it, I mean, you, you can kind of see like, obviously there's not a lot of Lamar Jacksons out there, yeah, right? Of course, there's probably not even a lot of Deshaun Watsons out there in the college game. Of course. So to say it's gonna go going in a new school era with these dual threat guys who can break you off for an 80 yard run. That's probably not fair to say just because those athletes really don't exist out there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one could argue that, well, maybe coaches start putting the wide receiver at quarterback, right? It's kind of like the Steph Curry effect where all of a sudden kids are shooting three-pointers now and not working on their layups. So it's interesting to see. Here's my take on it, and it's a take that I've had for a while now, I think ever since the Super Bowl of what's next for the NFL quarterback? What does an NFL quarterback look like? Because I think for a long time we thought of these 6'5 statues who mm-hmm. could just gunsling the ball, who could stand in the pocket, deliver the ball um, you know, at a high velocity, and make every single throw. And I think you know those guys like the Joe Flacco's, even the Tom Brady's, the the Philip Rivers, um, Nick Foles, Nick Foles, even a little. I mean, he's not tall, but Drew Brees. You know, you saw it in the playoffs a little bit, where 
teams are starting to figure these guys out a little bit. And I don't necessarily think the future of the NFL quarterback is going to be that dual threat guy, that quarterback that can run a 4-4-40 and, you know, completely take the top off. However, I do feel like if you look at what successful teams are doing and what defenses, you know, what's keeping defensive coordinators up at night, it's the fact that your ability to extend the play. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but your ability to make the pass as you extend that play, Mm -hmm. right? You see Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew, if you ran a 40-yard dash, I think you ran like a 4-8 or 4-9 at the combine. Respectable. It's all right. But guess what? I mean, that's not blazing. That's not Lamar. Yeah, but that's not Lamar Jackson, though, is it? But you know what? We've seen Gardner Minshew how many times this past season take off for 20 yards, take off for 30 yards. You know, like he has the ability to do that. And we've seen Gardner Minshew being being able to extend plays where I think the future is headed. And I've mentioned it before on this show. And it falls right into the Patrick Mahomes category and it falls right into the Russell Wilson category. Not so much, actually, the the Sean Watson or Lamar Jackson category. I I consider them more outliers. I think you're going to see the trend of baseball players, like those Kyler Murrays, that are going to be like those first-round picks that are going to opt not to pursue Major League Baseball. They're going to stay with football, and they're going to be the new trend that comes in. Couple reasons. Number one, obviously, if you play baseball, more than likely, unless you're a first baseman, which I was, you're probably not that athletic. Right? I mean, I mean you, you are athletic. If you're a first baseman, it's debatable. If you're a DH, obviously, it's debatable. But more than likely, if you're playing second base, if you're playing outfield, you can probably run a little bit, right? So you, you have, you have the feet there. You have the advantage there at the quarterback position. But what it comes from, and I actually had this conversation with Alex Magoo, a.k.a. Swegu, back in the day um, in the locker room when I kind of sat down with him a little bit and kind of picked his brain, and I, and I was intrigued by what he said. The beauty about playing baseball as a quarterback is it teaches you to make throws from different angles. Right. Because it's one thing if you're an NFL quarterback and you're at the Pro Bowl and you're doing these games where you just stand stationary, you take your time, and you throw the ball with perfect delivery, mm-hmm. right? And you get your reps that way. Well, baseball players are taught, like, not every single time is the ball going to come out exactly how you want it, right? right sometimes right. you have to get the ball out faster. Sometimes you have to take your time, and you have time to, you know, make that direct, uh, precise throw. But it's different, and it comes out at different angles. And if you're the quarterback in the NFL, if you're trying to extend a play, if you have 250, 300-pound guys breathing down your neck, well, sometimes you need to make those throws that aren't going to be perfect. Sometimes you're going to need to make those throws where your feet aren't necessarily set, and sometimes you need to make those throws where your shoulders aren't exactly in the right direction. Right. And that's what Patrick Mahomes does so well. That's what Russell Wilson does so well. Coincidence that they both played baseball? Mm. I think not. So to me, that's where the future is going to be. It's going to be these guys that can extend the plays when they need to, but also make the hard throws, the throws when they're on the run, the throws when you know there's guys beating down the, the barrel that they can make. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with that. I think it's more so like you look at guys like Russell Wilson and uh, Patrick Mahomes, they're not necessarily like when they're throwing the ball, they're throwing to a spot. I guess yeah. it's not as much, you know, how I get it there. Um, it's just, as long as I get it there, it doesn't matter what my, what angle my arm's at. You know, if I put velocity on it, if I got to drop it in, I'm throwing it to a, a point. Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, kind of a concept that a lot more college teams are, are taking over as far as from their quarterback perspective. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's the way the NFL goes. I mean, it, it's, I mean, I think we're at a point where we have to see the NFL change at some point. And I think that's one of the things where teams are looking for that, a guy who can run to extend the play because i mean i don't care who you are if if i got the ball in my hand i'm running around for 15 seconds somebody's gonna be open 
Quick question for you. How scared are you of are these quarterbacks coming out of this year's draft? You know, the Justin Herberts, the Joe Burrows, the Tua Tonga Violas. Guys that are kind of accustomed to playing on the spread a little more, not really going right to center. Does that bother you at all? Do you think that's going to affect their progress in the NFL? Uh, it doesn't bother me at all because I think a lot more teams are kind of adopting schemes similar to the spread sure. because, I mean, if you're not, then if you're just stuck in your, stubborn, stuck in your ways, then, yeah. I mean, you're I mean, it's not successful. <laughs> adapt or die or adapt or die. We're going to adapt here and take another break as we just ran past our music. Uh, when we come back, more football talk, obviously. We can do some little balling and falling. And a lot more action-packed stuff here today on Action Sports Jackson ESPN 690. That's a great scheme. You know, great scheme. Um, great players. You know, aggressive play caller. You know, Wink's, Wink's aggressive. That's who he wants to be. And again, those schemes, you know, they should never get overemphasize more than the, than the players. You know, they have very good players. Secondary is very good. You mentioned Humphreys and his ability to to not only play tight coverage, but also if a guy catches the ball on him, you better protect it because he's looking to, to knock it out. And he's very well taught, and he executes that technique very well. Judon is, is developed into a very, very good player. The inside guys are next to impossible to move. Pierce and Williams. Tennessee Titans head coach Mike Vrabel really doing a lot of special things this year with the Titans. Kind of turned that whole team around. Um, in a direct reflection of his image. I'm not sure if you heard the, what was it, Bustin' with the Boys podcast where he said that he would make the ultimate sacrifice in winning a Super Bowl. And by ultimate sacrifice, I mean he said, and I quote, I'm not going to obviously say the thing, I'm going to censor it out, but he would cut off a certain part of his anatomy to win a Super Bowl. Wow. You can have it, bro. I mean, do you just want to run through that wall for that guy or what? Uh, that you know, there's a certain level of you know intense and crazy. Yeah, and there is a line. Oh, he oh he he didn't cross it. He jumped over the line, in my opinion, man. I mean, I get a Super Bowl is great, but let's be serious. Here. He might have hurdled that one and kept running. One one would think though that if he was to do that, you'd probably need uh something to kind of clear the head a little bit, clear your mind. And that's why it's the happy hour horn right now. What a transition! What a segue to the happy hour horn. <laughs> Tip your star tenders. I just want to give a shout out real quick uh, on the happy hour horn. I do don't you? know. I do. You know, yeah. I don't. I don't know if he's necessarily a tequila guy, but one of my good friends' uh, birthday was two days ago. I did not tell him happy birthday, um, just because I forgot. Not even gonna lie. But this is my happy belated birthday shout out to my good friend Ronald Gutcher. All right. Um, that's all I got for him because I don't really like him that much. Oh wow! Okay, well that was nice. You actually thought about him a little bit, and then you kind of took that. You almost gave him like a an audio card, and that's all you gave him. Like here, ha- have this Hallmark card. Happy birthday! I mean, I'm doing. I'm just kind of doing the way that he kind of treats me. Like he's always there to build me up, but he yeah. doesn't let me get too high. 
Okay. Because he's like, you know, yo, I see what you're doing. You know, you're all That's good. That's one of the best friends, man. I, I have one of those myself. But I still remember you dropping that touchdown pass at your oh, flag football game. Dude, you, you, you have guy. to have one of those friends. I had one of those friends. I still have one of those friends growing up that always kept me humble, um, you know, in, in the league as well. So, yeah, the, those friends are, are crucial and vital to personal growth and success. And he used to say my dog was soft, and I didn't like that. Oh, well, I, I don't know how I feel about that one. But to be fair, but I'll be honest with you, Marcel, you know, um, people have been listening to the show. Okay. Yep. yep. There's been some murmurs afoot here the past, oh, I don't know, 10 to 15 minutes. We actually uh, have a little bit of a breaking news segment here we should probably do regarding you, DirecTV, ATTU verse, and whoever else we were talking about literally a couple segments ago. Yes, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, I would just like to say that the people at DirecTV and ATTU verse have heard the public outcry. Austin Lane and I are doing God's work over here. We are. As of about. 25 minutes ago, a deal was struck between Hoffman Communications and DirecTV and AT&T Universe. There will be football on CBS, folks. So everyone's getting CBS. Everybody gets CBS. I love it, man. Celebrate good times. Turn up a little bit. I mean, I, I mean, this is this is just this is just good stuff, right? This is this is what what we do. That's what we do. I ha- I have some experience in this department. I feel like I need to bring to the table as well. Well, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure which hurricane it was. It was a little while ago. We had here. Um, <laughs> But on Twitter, I came out and Facebook. I said, hey, look, Verizon, we had a hurricane here, man. Like, this was before unlimited data was a big deal. Sure. I was like, yo, I was like, yo, we just had a hurricane here. We have no power. Yeah. Like, we should we should really get free data for, you know, the recovery well, absolutely, time. Absolutely, man. You got to stay in touch with everybody. And so then I may have tweeted out and said a couple of things. And the <laughs> next day, the very next day, Verizon comes out and says, hey, everyone in the, you know, areas affected by the hurricane, free data. For the next three or four days, I think it was. Wow. So th- th- there you go again. I've heard that they oftentimes do this for disaster areas. But as far as I know, I, you know, made a public outcry for myself and my community. Yeah. And I won. Well, let's be honest here. And I, I don't want to take full credit. And I don't want you to take full credit for what just happened, what just transpired with people being able to watch football um, Saturday and Sunday on CBS. But I think we had something to do with it. I don't think it's far-fetched for it's us to say to that. Humble. I don't think it's far-fetched to say that you and I brought football back to CBS for the Jacksonville and surrounding areas. And you know what? It's hard to be humble. It really is sometimes, Marcel, but I'm going to say this. We came in here today. We talked about it. We intimidated. And then we got results. Yep. The three pillars to any great sports radio show. You talk about it, you intimidate, and then you get results, and that's what we did today. Kuz, if you're back there, I'll have you play some more music, but I think you're getting the water, so don't worry about it. We'll just keep on talking. But, uh, yeah, that's good news, obviously, for football fans everywhere. And, listen, we broke down the Saturday slate yesterday. We broke down the Sunday slate today of the NFL games. We were missing that one more game. We were missing one more game, though, and we're missing that Monday game. The nightcap. The nightcap. The little cherry on top. The little nightcap of the college football national championship. What are you thinking about this one? I would, it's funny. I don't really know what to think. Like I think, <laughs> I think this is like we were talking about earlier. I think Clemson is not getting their just due. Obviously, you know, like you talked about them being in the ACC, which mm-hmm. to be honest is a fair argument. But I mean, they did what they had to do. They they beat Ohio State. Did what they had to do in that game. Uh, didn't look rattled, you know. Um, but I swear, man, that it's so hard to pick against LSU right now. I mean, it just feels like they have 
it all on both sides of the ball. I mean, obviously Joe Burrow, the Heisman Trophy winner. Um, you pick your receiver, whoever you want. They can give you, a, they had, I think, 2,000-yard receivers this year. Yeah. I mean, you pick who you want to, to get the ball. I mean, they, you got guys They're just running wide. They're very open. explosive. They're very good. They're very fast. I, I have a tendency to think that this game may be similar to the Ohio State and Clemson game um, just because – I mean, you look at Clemson, you're like, yo, they put up points. Like, they throw the ball. They're explosive offense. They're running through guys. But the Ohio State game, we didn't necessarily see that specifically. So I'm, I'm thinking that Clemson's offensive output will be similar to that of the Ohio State game in this game. Mm-hmm. As far as LSU, I just feel like they've they've literally played the best of the best and, and have come out on top. I mean, this is not me speaking as a Georgia fan, but Georgia had one of the top defenses in the nation. And... I mean, LSU made them look like my flag football team. <laughs> I mean, they went toe-to-toe with Alabama, who has three wide receivers who could be a top-ten draft pick on anybody's team. Mm-hmm. Um, went toe-to-toe with them. Um, I just I just have a hard time picking against LSU because they can beat you so many ways. And, and they have the one piece that Clemson has as well. But, I mean, Cle- Tra- um, Trevor Lawrence has been in big games before, obviously. Won them. Mm-hmm. But... That Joe Burrow kid is something special, man. Like he just always cool, calm, collected. Nothing rattles him, and and just the swagger he has about him is just unmatched. Well, and the thing about him too, right, is that he came out of nowhere because the dialogue going into this college football season, what was it? It was Tua and it was Trevor Lawrence. Yep. You know, everyone was talking about taking it for Trevor already, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. the kid went on the grandest stage of them all under the most pressure and didn't even flinch mm-hmm. against the Alabama Crimson Tide. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes people forget that. And I think that he's a guy, if you look at his stats from this year to last year, they're very comparable, yep. right? But yep. this is a guy who's been lost in the shuffle now because with a guy like Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. okay? Because what Joe Burrow's been able to accomplish on such a limited amount of time. So what does it come down to? You know, because... Obviously, LSU has the offense, and I said it. This isn't your your grandpa's old school SEC uh, football anymore. Okay, right. this is an explosive, high powered offense in LSU, mm-hmm. and they've played the tougher competition. Let's be honest; they've beat Alabama, uh, they beat Florida. You know, they've they they've really haven't really been challenged by anybody. Smashed Georgia. Smashed Georgia. Oh, I'm sorry. I see. I wasn't gonna bring that one up for you, but you brought it up yourself. Hey, man. But it is, it is what it is. Famous street poet Sean Carter once said, "I call it spade a spade, dog. It is what it is. It is what it is." So they've they've ran through the gambit. Okay, they they've been through the gauntlet and they've passed with flying colors. On the other hand, you have Clemson who's been kind of the the undercard, the underdogs this entire season because they almost get beat by North Carolina, um, if not due to a pass at the very end of the game. Um, they play in an ACC division that's just been, let's be honest here, atrocious this yeah. entire year. And you have Trevor Lawrence, who people were saying maybe has regressed a little bit, even though the numbers don't say that, but just the fact that they're not winning blowout games unless it's the end of like you know the, the second half of the season. So there's a lot of things against Clemson. But here's where I stand. And I actually had this conversation with my MMA coach this morning as we were hitting mitts. Trevor Lawrence has never lost a football game. Now, granted, Joe Burrow hasn't lost a football game either, okay? Mm-hmm. But Trevor Lawrence has never lost a football game. The last time Clemson has lost a football game was what? It would have been three years ago now or two years ago at the Sugar Bowl against Alabama. Mm-hmm. Whatever, It's like three years ago because if you – count the January 1st, whatever it is, three years ago. 
They have never lost, okay? They're accustomed to winning. And to me, that says something, okay? The fact that Trevor Lawrence went on the biggest stage against Alabama, who everyone was ready to crown national champions, and Trevor Lawrence, as a freshman, comes out and blows the doors off of Alabama, to me that says something. The fact that Trevor Lawrence has never lost a football game, that all he is accustomed to is winning, he doesn't know what losing is, he finds a way regardless of what it is, to me that says something. And a person who's never accustomed to losing, whether it's in football, basketball, MMA, boxing, name your sport, they're a different type of breed. And they have a different type of mentality. Mm -hmm. Now, once again, don't get me wrong, Joe Burrow, he hasn't lost either. So I'm not trying to harp on him at all. But I think there's something magical about Clemson going into this game with Trevor Lawrence, with Dabble Sweeney getting ready to play, and essentially playing an away game in New Orleans, just down the road from Baton Rouge. I don't know why, Marcel, but for some reason I'm liking Clemson in this game. And I, I honestly, it's just the fact that they don't know how to lose at Clemson. Yeah, and I think a little bit of that is that underdog mentality. I think obviously, I think being like you just said, them playing, you know, essentially in you know Louisiana, which is the home game, essentially yeah. a home game for LSU. I think they'll get up for that game. I think that's the kind of thing that Dabo is a great coach, mm-hmm. and he really knows how to get his guys geared up for stuff like that. Like he, he's not, he's not, he may not necessarily be like the bulletin board guy, but he will damn sure let you know, hey yo, they say we can't win this game. Yeah, they say we shouldn't even be here. They say that you know. That LSU, they played every defense and torched them. They're going to do the same thing to us. Sure. You know, I think some little stuff like that obviously gets them up. I mean, and look, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. Trevor Lawrence is that dude. Like, mm-hmm. dude is the way he was able to, to kind of take over that game against Ohio State. But I'm mistaken. I think he was their leading rusher. Yeah, I think um, so. Um, like that. His uh, the long uh, run for he had for a touchdown. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't even think. I didn't know you had that in. Didn't know that was possible. Not even gonna, lie. gonna be honest. When, yeah. he, when he hits the sideline and takes off, and it's stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like like you said, he's always won because he's always found a way to win. Yeah. And that's what good obviously leaders and quarterbacks do. Um, I think I, I think it's a great matchup on both sides. Probably one of the more my more anticipated games, just because they're two teams from a standpoint of they're very similar. Mm-hmm. Like they've gotten here, they've done the work to get here. Um. I just, I just don't know, man. That, that LSU playing in their backyard and oh, don't get me wrong, that's a huge advantage. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, that the the um video, the hype video they put out, LSU football. Oh yeah, damn it, watch it five times. I want to watch it five times. Well, and here's the thing: when my son comes to me Monday night, Dad, can we turn on wrestling? I'm gonna turn on that hype video and be like, no, we're not, we're not watching wrestling tonight. I wrestling is being DVR'd, watching this football game. All right, watch the hype video. Either you get hyped or go play with your toys. But we're not watching wrestling. We're watching this game. I, but it's that big. That being said, though, I think that, I mean, I can't say that that LSU defense hasn't been tested. I mean, because yeah. obviously they've played some high-powered offenses too. Um, and I mean, those boards are good. They're fast, physical. Yeah. Well, um, and they're smart, too. The, well coached, and the, they're not afraid to press you. You know, at, at, at the cornerback position. And right? I think like they're going to make you earn it. And I think that's one of the things that a lot, like obviously, Big Ten teams and, and mm-hmm. ACC teams, they they have a tendency of they have a. Not necessarily your reputation, but they say they're wide receivers. They don't play teams like that. They well, don't like to be touched. Exactly. You know, they, well, you saw in Oklahoma. You know, yeah. Oklahoma has you know one of the, the highest regarded quarterbacks coming out, getting ready to go to the draft. They also have one of the best wide receivers in C.D. Lamb. And you mm-hmm. saw the first half of that Oklahoma-LSU game. LSU was pressing the entire time, and Jalen Hurts had zero answer for him. And they'll do the exact him. same thing on Monday. 
Yeah, and and I absolutely agree with you. I guess the question comes, does Clemson have the talent at receiver? Do they have the talent with Trevor Lawrence? And I think both those things would be yes, and you have a guy, an ETN, who can at any time on that field can go 88 and out the gate. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting matchup. It's going to be two high-powered offenses. Um Obviously, a lot of points being scored. Obviously, two quarterbacks being displayed for the world to see. I can't wait, man. I, I cannot honestly wait for this game. But you know what's funny? It's so funny how these games work. You have two high-powered offenses, and we go into we talk about it all of this. 10-17 final score. Yeah, they both average 45 <laughs> points a game, yeah, yeah. 300 yards pass. This game's going to end like 24-17. to 17. We're going to yeah. be like, man. That was a good-ass game. For sure. Well, and keep in mind, too, turnovers is huge, right? The turnovers and everything. And both teams, pretty dang good at hanging out on the ball. Mm-hmm. So that's going to even make for a better matchup here. Um, like I said, I think I'm leaning towards Clemson, and you can call me crazy if you want. I think I'm crazy for picking them because LSU essentially playing in their backyard. LSU hasn't given fans any reason why they shouldn't be the national champion this year of any game that they played. Clemson cannot say the same. Clemson had some nail biters. Um, Clemson hasn't, you know, especially in the start of the season, hasn't played up to their best abilities. But once again, I'm taking the quarterback that doesn't know how to lose. I'm taking a team that hasn't lost in a couple years, and I'm taking a team that's been there before, you know, and I'm taking the coach that's been there before. That's fair. That that knows how to play in the biggest stage, even though if you're in someone's backyard. At Ogeron, this is new, and I get it. You have all these hype videos and everything. You have the entire state of Louisiana behind you, and that's fantastic. But you got to be careful. You can't come out a little too overhyped. That's true. I, That's how mistakes happen. I do agree with that. Yeah, I, I think that that is a, a sort of a concern. But I also feel like that's kind of their mo, though. Like I feel like that's that's his. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's he's a good he's a good coach, great coach, obviously. But I feel like that's what he does. You know, the one team, one heartbeat. Like I think he really the guys look to him to kind of bring that energy. Like that's one thing I can always say about an LSU team like watching them play this year and most of their games they've always shown high energy flying to the ball you know if you're on the sideline on the field it's all the same and i i think that that team kind of embodies what you know he presents yeah and and that you know that that's a, that's a different kind of dude right there yeah like, i i mean it, it's you know we all laugh and joke about about him all the time but i think that that team yeah he hasn't been on this stage before but i think that he also does a good job he'll do a good job of making sure that they know hey this stage is no different than anything else it's just another football game i think he does a good job with that like going into the the uh, um the semifinal game obviously against oklahoma um they made she made sure to make hey this game is no bigger than any other game this is no bigger than when we played Jordan SEC championship this is no bigger than when we played Florida this is no bigger than when we played Alabama um in another great game it's mm-hmm. it's just another great game and, and Dabo does this too it's like oh, this, yeah. this is just another game we go out there and we do what we do for sixty minutes and whatever happens we live with the result it just so happens that the results have been wins. Joe Burrow is going to be showcased Monday night, the Heisman winner. Uh, obviously, probably going to be the first round of the NFL, uh, the first pick of the NFL draft, excuse me, um, to Cincinnati Bengals, unless a team can give up an arm and a leg and then some to try to trade up and get him. But I don't see that happening. I see him being a Bengal, which is cool because he kind of grew up around that area. So it'll be cool to see how his career transpires. But I, I mentioned Joe Burrow, Jake Fromm. Your guy, because we can't talk about the Falcons. We can talk about the Georgia Bulldogs. That's your team. Surprised Jake Fromm's leaving early? I am a little bit, to be honest okay. with you. I thought that he he would come back. I mm-hmm. think that, you know, 
just from you know watching him and uh, seeing him throughout the three years, he didn't really strike me as the guy who like he struck me as a college quarterback with NFL talent. Like it felt to me that he was really you know kind of he lived for that college football experience. Now I'm not saying the guys that go early don't because they do, but I mean just for him it felt like for me. I felt like he would really kind of relish in the opportunity to come back just because of how they lost the national championship game, obviously, and also the SC championship game this year. Absolutely. Like with, with Tua leaving, um, with obviously Joe Burrow's gone. I felt like with them two leaving, the moment he would have announced to come back, one, he would have been a Heisman candidate immediately. Um, and also I think they would have been the front runner to win the SEC. Um, and obviously get a chance to get back to the national championship. Um, so yeah, I was a little surprised. Um, he never really, he never really struck me like the guy who wants to do the fame, the fortune, the NFL, and all that good stuff. He's just, you know, a good dude, a good football player. Obviously, um, I was, I was wrong. I honestly, when people ask me, I said, no, I, I think he'll come back. He'll kind of do the. I mean, obviously, he's a better talent than Aaron Murray, but mm-hmm. I felt like he would be, you know, that Aaron Murray kind of guy where you look back on his Georgia career and say he stayed all four years that he accomplished this, this, and this. I mean. All that being said, the only thing you really had to accomplish was to win a state championship. I mean, a uh, uh, college football championship. Well, listen, and you mentioned it. You got Fromm, you got Burrow, you got Tua Tungavaiola all leaving to go to the NFL. My question to you is, are we going to see some parity this next season in the SEC? Be the first time in a while. The first time in a long-ass time we're going to see some parity. So my question to you, and we'll get into it after the break here, is... Is the SEC going to be competitive again? Is the SEC going to be great again? Or is it just LSU, Alabama, the usual story? We'll talk about that next here on ESPN 690. I think it's fantastic. It goes to show you to play the championship, you got to have a great quarterback, number one. In every championship I've been, we had great quarterbacks. And uh, it's hard to get to a championship without one. I do believe, uh, as a fan, you look at these two great quarterbacks playing. They're going to be playing in the NFL for a long time. Uh, they're leading the team. you got to be proud of both of them. They broke character, young men. That's what college football is all about. Obviously, everyone knows who that is. If you don't know by now, you better check yourself. That's Ed Orgeron, head coach of LSU. Go Tigers. Nicely done. And I'll be honest with you, man. I absolutely love it. Right? Like, the, the, the guy is Louisiana through and through. That has to help him in recruiting. That has to help him in inspiring his players because that guy lives the, the Tiger lifestyle. Okay? Now, when I hear him talk, do I need a lozenge myself because my voice gets a little dry? Absolutely. Coos, I love a lozenge right now if you had one. You got a lozenge. Go Tigers. Coos, you got a lozenge. I don't. We okay. Got Brent's hazelnuts. <laughs> We got it. Do you just make sure that you put that as a button for when he comes no. back? <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Or Bro, I will go back and find that audio myself. Hazelnuts. I'm going to make a note right now that that happened in the 550 uh, hour, and I'm going to make a note of that so we get that audio back. <laughs> Nicely said, Coos. This show took a turn. It took a turn in the left. Hey, you know, it's almost the weekend, man. We already got a foot in the parking lot. It's all good. But like we talked about today, do a little recap, obviously. We kind of broke down a little bit of 
where can you point the finger if you're a Jaguars fan of where this all went wrong for the past decade, right? But set aside from 2017, it seems like the Jaguars haven't had a lot of success. And I think a lot of that can obviously be said in the draft, obviously, because that's where you win and lose ball games. That's where you make your Super Bowl runs. But it can also be said that you don't re-sign the talent that you have, right? You have guys like Allen Robinson that are gone. You have guys like Blake Bortles that are gone. You have guys like Jonathan Cyprian, second-round pick, gone. Luke Jokel. Gone. Marquise Lee, probably going to be gone next year. Jalen Ramsey, gone. Um, Yannick Ngakwe, time will tell what's going to happen with him. So overall, sure, you can go ahead and pick your free agents here and here and here, and maybe you know you can get your money's worth and you can get your refund on those. But at the end of the day, it's clear, it's plain and simple. If you do not build through the draft and then take care of the talent that you acquire, you're not going to win many football games. Simple as that. And that's been the MO of the Jacksonville Jaguars here. Now, granted, Marcel, I think you've agreed with me too. The past couple years, you know, dating back to 2017, when you got guys like Leonard Fournette, Cam Robinson, Dwayne Smoot, all guys who are still on the team right now. Um, one could make an argument for Cam Robinson. Who knows if he's going to be the starter going forward here. But at least the past three years have shown that you've you've had got some return back in your top three rounds of draft picks. Now, this past season, obviously, Josh Oliver, the third-round pick, and Quincy Williams, the third-round pick. Um, you know, Oliver's been out with injuries. Quincy Williams kind of had a rough first year, but he, you know, he's going to learn and hopefully get better. So at least, I guess, from the past three years, there is some promise there. But I think you'd echo my sentiments when I say that you have to maintain the talent that you have and you have to take care of the talent that you have, starting with Yannick Ngakwe. I mean, yeah, that's how the league is built. And then when, when you say build through the draft, build through the draft does not mean drafting talent. It's not. It doesn't just stop there. Building through the draft means drafting talent, developing talent, keeping talent, and continuing to you know, develop that particular talent until they go from – you know, top prospects, top draft picks, top performers to elite players. Like that's what building through the draft is. I think when, when when people say build through the draft, usually they kind of stop at just, oh, we picked the guy that he's pretty good. But if you don't develop him, of guess course. what? He ain't going to be pretty good in a few years. Well, and if you lose him, then it's kind of like, what, what is it all for? You know, like, uh, I think when you see these Super Bowl winning teams, like, yes, they go after, they get the free agents, whether you're the Patriots, whether you're the Eagles, uh, but of course, but also, man, you still have those pillars. You still have those cornerstones of your offense and defense that you drafted, that oh, yeah. you took care of, that know the way, that have seen, you know, seen it time and time again, and are kind of like the, you know, like the, I guess, the conditioned leaders of the locker room. Mm-hmm. And the Jacksonville Jaguars right now, they can't say that they have a lot of those guys because when you go back for the first couple years of Dave Caldwell's draft those first or second or third round picks they're not here anymore mm-hmm. whether they're traded away whether they weren't good enough and they got cut whatever the reason being they're not here anymore and if you have that man I don't care what you bring in for the free agency you're not going to win a lot of ball games yeah no 100% I mean free agency is meant as a, a tool of kind of like a compliment sure you know, it's not meant to be like you can't build through free eight build through free agency because of the salary cap mm-hmm. i mean that's just how it's designed like the nfl is not designed to be successful building through uh free agency your free agency is where you find like your your older veteran guys to come in there to teach the talent that you you're paying you know minimal rookie contracts and all that for to develop them um and then if you decide that you don't if you want to move on to them at the end of their career or whatever because obviously look you can't keep everybody like mm-hmm. it, it's it would be naive to think that you know you can 
pay big money to every single person you draft. But it is your responsibility to find the best players that you draft and say, hey, this guy is a key component in the way in which we want to go. So we have to make sure we keep him because if we if we're trying to build around this guy and we're drafting and picking up guys to build around this guy, well now this guy is gone. So we have a a, a hole that we bought a whole bunch of guys in to build around. So now they are trying to pick up you know the slack of him yep. not being there when they were brought in to be compliments to make that particular spot better. And in doing so, then you do that. You try to make up for the things that you lack. What happens then? You change your identity and, yeah. you, and you don't stay true to who you are and you don't have a lot of success from that. There's a reason band aids aren't permanent. <laughs> Neither are stitches. Yeah, so uh, so we talked about it, too. Obviously, starting Saturday, going into Sunday, and even Monday, man, we got a full slate of football ahead. Kiss your loved ones. Tell me you love them because I'm going to be in front of the TV the entire time, as a lot of people, I'm sure, are. Um, let's quick just go on the games and see what you think about them. The Vikings, 49ers, what do you got? I got Niners winning by seven. Titans, Ravens. I got Baltimore by 21. Ooh, Texans, Chiefs. Kansas City by 14. Seahawks Packers. Uh, Seahawks by four. And let's go ahead and finish it off. Monday night, the cream de la creme of college football. LSU playing their home game against Clemson. LSU by four. Either way, the Tigers are going to win, as yes, right. Weber said yesterday. Tigers by four. For Action Sports, Jack's on ESPN 690. I'm Austin Lane. That dude over there sitting across from me is Marcel Robinson. We got coos in the back pushing the right buttons. Everybody have a great football weekend. Or if you don't do football, just have a great weekend in general. Brett Martineau will be back for the regularly scheduled program starting on Monday. We'll see you guys there. Also, keep a word out because we're going to have our ESPN one-year anniversary show Friday, January 17th. Uh... Sponsored by Jumpin' Jack's House of Food. There's going to be food. I think there's going to be drinks there. There's going to be mascots. There's going to be games. And, of course, we'll we'll be doing our thing, too, on the radio. Marcel, thanks for stopping by, man. Good to see you, dude. We'll see you down the line, man. Take it easy. Everybody have a good night. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.